Pete, look, you're changing. I know I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up, doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Do you expect me to talk? Episode 185 of Do You Expect Us Talk? I'm your host, as always, Maka, and joined by my fellow co-hosts Chris and Dave. How are you doing? Swinging into action, thank you. <laughs> Chris is a swinger. It's a swinger, baby. We're not even doing Austin Powers. This is crazy. <laughs> he, he, he's out tonight as well. <laughs> we don't know what, I don't know what that's about now. But yes, uh, anyway, as you may have guessed, we're on to a drugs, new eh? series. Yes, new series. Sorry, Becca, go on. <laughs> Dear, oh dear, sorry, I'm getting all kinds of wrong this time. So yeah, you, you caught on my web of puns, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I'll stop now. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to do like, all the spider puns, all the insect puns, all the silly spider jokes. Yeah, I, did, I didn't mean to bug our audience with it, yeah. <laughs> but let's not get any sticky situations. But yes, we do start a new review series. Um, Starting with more Spider-Man. So today we kick off with... 2002 Spider-Man movie, starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Willem Dafoe, J.K. Simmons, Rosemary Harris, Cliff Robertson, Bill Nunn, and also starring, before they were even more famous than they are now, Octavia Spencer and Elizabeth Banks, plus cameos from Macy Gray, Macho Man Randy Savage, Bruce Campbell, and Lucy Lawless. An original score by Danny Elfman, um, also Spider-Man created by Stanley and Steve Ditko, with screenplay by David Cup. Whatever Happened to Him, uh, directed by Sam Raimi and released in 2002. Well, he, he wrote Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal well, Yeah, Skull. I think that's what happened and to him. Strangely, it. I don't think his cachet's been quite the same since. But no, he had like a, you know, a really, what, what, I, what I think was, you know, a glittering career in the sort of late 90s. Um, well, certainly from the mid-90s, obviously, contributed to the writing of, um, of Jurassic Park. Mm. Um, yeah, so from like the middle late 90s all the way through to kind of like the mid-2000s, he kind of wrote a lot of the major screenplays. Yeah. And then there was some controversy. Well, he and then he wrote Indiana Jones, and that was it. Yeah, but he's moved. He moved into directing because the following year he did Ghost uh, Ghost World with Ricky Gervais. Of course, he did. Yes, that's true. Um, a bit like um, uh, Nolan's director of photography was Wally Pfister. Yeah, and then he went and did, and then he went and did like Transcendence or whatever that film was yeah. called that got shitty reviews, and I don't think we've heard of him since. No. Um, he's done mostly yeah. TV stuff, I think now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he might be well, perfectly happy with his career. And frankly, if he never did anything else, Wally Fister had a hell of a career, and so did uh, David Kep, to be fair. Definitely. Uh, I'm be mispronouncing uh, all kinds of names, so we, thanks we, for talking with us. We talked about it during uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode we did, that I, I, anyone would have struggled to do a very good script to that film because 
George Lucas sort of laid out the story and just boxed him in, if you know what I mean. It's got to have this, 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 this in this, you know. And yeah, literally like, had a tick box, once, didn't he? Yeah, once, once you've got so many uh, criteria you have to hit, it, it's difficult. Like a Mars uh, yeah. or Bond you know tick box exercise this was this was back in its uh sort of in his peak era if you like in terms of uh, the casting of the film uh, at the point where he was named toby Maguire, i'd not heard of him uh but between announcement and starting filming which was early 2001 he i saw him in the michael douglas film wonder boys Oh, yeah, that's a good film. Which, which is a Curtis Hansen film, guy who made LA Confidential, probably the best film of the 1990s or best mainstream film of the 1990s. And um, so I didn't know what to expect. Then I say, then he appeared in Wonder Boys, but that's very, very much a Michael Douglas film. Uh, Rosemary Harris is the mother of Jennifer Ely, mm-hmm. yep. who, who was. Um, uh, in Pride and Prejudice, uh, I first she first came to my attention when I was about fourteen, and she was in the chamomile lawn and frequently naked in it. <laughs> uh, so I always remembered her. Tara Fitzgerald was in that, and um, Gustav Graves was in that. Yes, um, Toby Stevens. Toby Stevens, yeah. Um, it's sort of like a costume costume drama. Yeah, you know, sort of you know, favorite really. You can't kill yeah. my dreams, Mister Bond, <laughs> but my dreams can kill you. <laughs> Yeah. When he was on the set of all these old classics, I bet he was hoping one day he'd get to deliver dialogue like that. <laughs> uh, no, he played Joe... one, so you know, look how things come around. Yeah. Uh, other, well, we'll talk about the cast as we go through. Uh, a, a small part in this to Joe Manganiello, who's probably still best known for. Um, well, he had a Marrying role. Sofia Vergara. No, but I forgot, <laughs> I forgot about that. But He's like yeah, the so richest it, lady on, on American TV. Well, to be I'm fair, right, so. I've never seen any of that. I've only really seen her in Chef. But um, yeah, Joe <laughs> Manganiello was in, um, what's it called, True Blood for a number of years. And he, he's also, was it Deathstroke in uh, a cameo at the yes. end of uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, DC film. And of course, that, that he was going to be, you know, one of the sort of villain stroke anti-hero, depending on the film. And of course, that all went out the window with the rest of Zack Snyder's vision. But we'll get to the whole DC thing another time. Yeah, it's all a bit up in the air at the moment, isn't it? Really, it's all a bit up in the air now because again, people have become very poor at discerning clickbait from a decent rumor. Because uh, there was one site the other day that actually uh, claimed Affleck was back on board as Batman in some deal with HBO Max. But that same site a few days before had claimed that the current, the most recent Star Wars trilogy was going to be written out of continuity. So it's full of shit as a site. It's up there with a we got this covered type site. Uh, So we don't know. But yeah, um, Sam Raimi was announced as the director. At that point, I knew him from, uh, well, the Evil Dead films. Um, Evil Dead 2 particularly gave me hope now for those who haven't who are listening to this that haven't seen the evil dead films you think hang on horror how does that go with this sort of you know day glow spider-man interpretation but if you actually look at the camera work in uh, and the sort of subversive sense of humor in in those films particularly the second one and then go and watch something like spider-man 2 where he's off the leash a bit more but it's very sam raimi um he was yeah, selected much up really well 
selected because not only a big Spider-Man fan, but a big comic book fan in general. Uh, 25,000 comic books he had in his collection at that point. Um, that's it from me, other than just to say I saw I was living in Birmingham at the time. I saw it opening night. I can't think of many films in my life I was more excited for. Um, something about Spider-Man coming to life. And we're used to it now, and we take it for granted with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and that, but this was this was something else. It, it, it felt like a comic book come to life, he, even sort of the raised webbing on his suit. It just looked expensive and impressive and stylized and really good. Uh, and all we'd had before this was the X-Men, really, and, and Blade. I mean, we'd had Superman, but they'd been they'd not been made for quite a long time and they'd been diminishing returns anyway then you'd had blade which was very sort of adult anyway and the only thing we'd had was x-men but if you think back to the earliest x-men film well, we'll cover the x-men films at some point um they were very sort of leathers and denims they weren't really playing up to their comic book origins and didn't until we got to something like first class which is a full nine years after this so yeah, that's 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 me with it. What about you guys, Becca? So yeah, I went and saw this back in two thousand and two, and for various reasons, probably haven't seen it since. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. I'm also like this is like comic book film since you know the um, Marvel series kind of like regenerated probably about ten ten years ago. Um, but for me, this is like one of the, uh, you know, aside from the X Men movies, which I've enjoyed, um, and Superman, of course, um, and then obviously growing up with the with the Batman movies, and you know, in the um, in the nineties. How could I forget the Batman movies? But to be fair, like and the Batman movies, <laughs> the, the, the not yeah, not two forgetting. of the three nineties ones were shit. <laughs> mm, they were definitely, but this is yeah. this is kind of like of the sort of modern era, as I call it, sort of from the two thousands. This is probably like the first major superhero release. Um, I think I remember at the time there was quite a lot being made about Toby Maguire um, and Jace Franco, for example, who were kind of like into their late 20s, early 30s, maybe. Um, playing sort of meant to be teenagers, essentially, or like high school students sort of thing. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think it's conv- they do it convincingly. It doesn't really matter. Um, also, I think for me in this film, like the standouts would probably be um, also J.K. Simmons, who's, you know, still carries on his role as, as Jameson, you know, to this day. If he has to reprise the role, then he's, you know, he's the man for the job. Um, and also Willem Dafoe as well. He was, I don't think he was the first choice to be cast as um, as Green Goblin, but he really makes the role his own, and he has. I was going to go out there and say he's got like really expressive face for it. That sounds really horrible, but um, you know he's got such unique, you know, sort of unique features, um, and he's got the acting chops for it as well. You know, he's got the talent to kind of really make it his own um, without appearing as a pantomime villain. I will say. Mm. Um, although he was, but, although I've always thought he was born to play the Joker. Yeah, definitely. That's a good shout. Yeah. You, you definitely Maybe, see I... it when you see like you know like like pictures of him like sort of done up as if he is playing the Joker, like superficial. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you think, like the, fake, the makeup on. It, it jumps. Yeah, it jumps straight out of the comic books, doesn't it? It's just like yeah, yeah. It really it's the does. Closest you'll get to like a, a live action version of like Mark Hamill's Joker. Mm. Uh, mm, definitely, that's, that's a good point actually. Um, which I'm not as in love with as some people, but anyway, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my experience. Um, obviously, saw these films at the cinema. I think I gave the third one maybe a wide berth because <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but the second film, I I remember loving upon release. Um, so I'm really looking forward to re- revisiting that one. Um, and obviously, we'll discuss that in more in more detail next time. Um, but yeah, that was my brief experience with this film. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, upon watching it again today, I was like checking my watch a few times. Thinking, oh, it's just quite long. It's 
two hours so you know most i think the first kind of hour or so really did skip by um but for me it just dragged a little bit during the during the second during the second half um but no i, th- I think the choice you know the um the creative choice in having that kind of like the father son kind of a dynamic as well really helps to co- make it more grounded um and adds like a human edge to a, you know fantastical comic book movie um, but no i really enjoyed it um i'm looking forward to getting back into the series chris what did you make of it yeah i think you kind of have to um think of it like of its time really because I, I remember this was uh quite um this 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 film was really hyped when it came out everyone was uh from, well from in my social circles anyway was really sort of like excited and praising film and it was like almost like it was almost like perfect and what what kind of struck me with, with this feeling is like how would this pass today like if you if you if this film was like released like as it is like in today's climate how would this sit well you know would you know at the chance it would probably get about sort of very middling if not like two star reviews kind of thing because it is very kind of campy and basic very cartoonish as well um in a you know if by by today's standards it's very sort of i think i think you think you said uh before dave uh off before air, recording, yeah. yeah off air like like a naive kind of worldview but i think it's just very it's just very simplistic and very just you know um yeah you're right to say of its time uh for many reasons and some of them we'll get into as we go through it but the stylized nature of the film is is doing most of the heavy lifting in the it, it's a it's a it's it at least looks somewhat comic book faithful mm-hmm. i mean the green goblin sort of isn't and, and and there are things about the characterization of, of particularly spider-man himself rather than peter parker that isn't you know <laughs> up with the most um, common interpretations of the character mm. but on a purely visual level even down to teaser trailers and the close-ups of him and the teaser poster with the eyes I know that was um, the Twin Towers and that got withdrawn but in the earliest trailers you got sort of a close-up of him like that and you get it just after he becomes Spider-Man and I think you, you've just got to do a bit more with it now whereas this is just a simplistic yeah. origin story the problem with origin stories are always that you try and cram, you try to do the origin story in the first, I quite like origin stories sometimes, but if they've got a consistent flaw, um, you've got an hour, uh, the first hour of the film, 40 minutes, depends on the film, is like the origin bit, and then they try to cram essentially a full superhero film into the second hour, and it can look a bit, Mm. clumsy and, and sometimes a little bit perfunctory that like the, the film just existed for us to get to the default superhero status quo if you like but down to ha- having I mean I was watching the scene where before uh, Peter comes home where Aunt May and Uncle Ben are just talking he's just lost his job and I'm looking at it and I'm going that's just that's Silver Age Spider-Man that is the sort mm. of 60s version of Spider-Man. You know, obviously Spider-Man's not in that scene, but just the characterization of May. I mean, she's progressively got younger and hotter since, <laughs> since this film. 
Um, Aunt, Aunt May will be about 19 in the next iteration. Um, yeah, if you're a 25 year old, like, you know. I mean, I mean, to be fair, Marissa Tomei is actually now in her mid 50s, but obviously she doesn't really play like that. And she's yeah. she's she is like an attract, really attractive woman. This is much more the sort of surrogate grandmother figure. Um, I've got some issues with casting as we go through it. Um, I, but it it's it's good for what it is. If in an alternate universe they'd have done like five of these all to sort of the standard of somewhere around the second film, and it would stand out as as really really great for a lot of people. Tobey Maguire is their Spider Man. I understand that nostalgia and everything else. Um, when we get into like what we think of the film in a minute, I, I might talk a little bit more about him. But whatever I say about him will be sort of almost confined, apart from a couple of scenes, to this film, in that I'm not going to give you three two-hour episodes of me complaining about Tobey Maguire. <laughs> when, when, I, when I have something to say about him, it'll just be, okay, park that and talk about the films thereafter. What did you actually think of the films then, Chris? Have you kind of already alluded to it, that kind well, of it's, it's a little bit simplistic? Um, I think... Like, like, like you say, in terms of like, you know, I do like a good orange story, but I think the tendency is also because the the natural uh, way to do origin would be like, well, he it would only be like in the final act where he actually is Spider Man and swing, you know, or the or the flash shot is him finally being the Spider Man that we know now. But the problem is you kind of have to like rush things through a little bit. But one of the things I thought was actually what the film actually does well, apart from any story aspect, is actually it's actually quite well paced. I mean, I, I was, I was Look, you know, checking like sort of times where we are. He gets bit by the spider about fifteen minutes in, and about like sort of just shy of thirty minutes in, he's like discovering his powers. So it uses yeah. its time efficiently well to kind of get into like the action sort of elements of it. Um, and one of one of the comment I was going to uh, point out, like I think you've alluded to before, was um, out of all the Spider-Man uh, versions I've seen, they all have this to a degree. But this one actually really names the fact that he struggles with his social life, um, which not many superheroes actually do as well. You know, like, they don't really sort of press on the fact that, you know, um, as hard as, like, well, you know, going around d- doing the, the superhero stuff. He's actually stuff. not a super popular kid in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, it's like, it, it's like well, everything else has to suffer, like, your social life suffer. You know, you, you can imagine yourself if you were actually having to do this because you've, you know, having to like sort of go around and, and save people, you you would that you, you you would lose friends, wouldn't you? You'd be like, oh, you weren't here for this important thing. Well, I'm sorry, I had to go and you can't. But, but not you can't only so- that, he's, he's the cleverest kid in class. Yeah. And if you think back to school and the cleverest cleverest kid in your class, they were never the most popular. Hmm. Um, it's a sad statement on the way of the world, but it is just the way things are. So he's not a super popular kid. He gets excited about things that other kids don't get that excited about. Um, and so he doesn't have that good a social life. And then next week, as he's been Spider-Man for a bit longer, he's struggling to get to things and he's struggling to, like, prioritise himself in any way. And that will include the things he's supposed to be doing at college and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, he yeah, does do that very well. I, I don't... They, the one thing... Go, I, sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. No, well, the only thing I will say, like, one, I'm not sure that the, the, the these films as a whole. I'm not, I'm not even sure the maybe I've one and we'll get to it. And they do, but because um, I'm just maybe can't remember. But 
like one of the thoughts I had is like the you know the line of great power comes great responsibility, and I was thinking, um, part of me I was sort of thinking a bit of like you know uh, you know the Nolan Batman films where it's like you know the the world needs Bruce Wayne, not Batman, and I was thinking, well, there's other other parts of you that the world needs, as in like you're a brilliant scientist, um, rather than just swinging around saving people because you've got these powers you know what I mean there's also that element you could sort of I don't think they actually properly utilise you know what I mean in terms of the power and responsibility the more human aspect funny as hell when we we get to the first reboot which is the fourth episode of our series Mm. um, they torture themselves to avoid saying that line yeah (laughs) and the line they yeah they do go out of their way to to avoid it don't they they just think alright don't say it don't say it the line they come out with instead I remember watching Sarah Palin once give a speech or something when, like, the auto-cue failed. And she just had to, like, talk. And it was just utter fucking horseshit. Everything out of her (laughs) Forget her values and her politics, I mean. I just mean how she coped with the situation. It was a cringe moment, wasn't it? It was like that. Well, well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is it's a bit like... A bit like Sarah Palin. they They definitely... They do elements in, in the three different iterations of Spider-Man very differently. Uh, I think they went a little bit too cool with the Andrew Carfield version. Um, whether the type of nerd Tobey Maguire is portraying actually existed by 2002, I don't know. It, it's almost like when you watch The Big Bang Theory and and whatever you think of that sitcom, the characterization in it, it is like... It's, it's as though it's written by somebody who's never actually met anyone like that. And they're just mm-hmm. going off some vague idea they've got about what those people might be like. And there's a bit of that in this. I don't think Sam Raimi or David Kep grew up the nerdy outsider, judging by the way they've characterized Peter I, Parker. One no, it's, it's sort of like a comic book movie trope, isn't it? I mean, it's similar, well, it's like opposite it, of, it, it um, is of Superman, for example. So, yeah. But, but yeah, it's a kind of like a well-worn, well-worn path now within superheroes. Is that kind of like this, you know, this incredible figure must have kind of like a nerdy or socially... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Socially know. inept. <laughs> you know, sort of alter yeah. ego, really. So, Socially awkward is the word I'm looking for. I mean, as for me, the only bit I need to add, because we're going on a little bit and Becca needs to say what she thinks in a minute of it. Oh, but I've said it already, I, sorry. <laughs> have you? Okay. Um, I, I, I liked it, but I felt a little bit about it at the time the way I did coming out of the 1989 Batman film. Because there is sometimes a level of hype on a film. I had no excuse for Spider-Man because I was an adult by the time it came out. But certainly with when Batman came out, I wasn't even yet 13. I was only 12 when it came out. And you go in ready to be absolutely blown away by something. And as stylish as the 1989 Batman was, and, and I do like it, I wasn't blown away by it. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty good. And I felt that way about this film. But I was very grateful for it. And what this film gave me that I've never had since is that almost pinch yourself feeling of, I can't believe I'm watching this. Like a, a Spider-Man come to life because all we had, I imagine some people in 1989 felt like that about Batman, although it wasn't as comic book accurate. But um, all we'd had is the 1970s. Well, we'd had the cartoons, and we'd had various iterations of the cartoons. I, well, the first one I came across was the early 80s one, and that was the same Spider-Man that was in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. 
Um, and the 90s cartoon was really good. I mean, again, it wasn't quite my era, but objectively, I thought it was better. Um, but the only other thing we'd had was the 1970s TV series, which sort of started with a double episode, which got a theatrical release in some areas, starring Nicholas Hammond, who was, the el- I think, the eldest of the Von Trapp children. And also, we saw him last year playing Sam Wanamaker in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But he was almost unrecognisable. The scene in the trailer where um, Leo is like dipping his face in ice water and stuff like that because he's got a film and he got drunk the night before. That's that's uh-huh. that's who he's talking to there. But, the effect, but it was a TV budget. So even compared to like Christopher Reeve's Superman outfit, the outfit looked crap and ill-fitting. The webs used to sort of... Like ropes. <laughs> they used to come yeah. out as ropes that sort of flipped out. You could see it. And, you know... It was all the same things. You'd have him climbing up a wall, which obviously wasn't a wall, and sort of looking down underneath himself. So they reused a lot of assets in it. J. Jonah Jameson is nothing like the comic book J. Jonah Jameson. And it's just not very good. So there was an element of pinch yourself when you watch this, whatever its modern um, effect. When I watch it now, Let's get this bit out of the way and not touch it too much after this. I hate Toby Maguire in this role. Some of it's him, some of it's um, the writing, because um, he's almost mute in the suit. I'm a poet. I don't know it. Um, and when he does come out with one-liners, like with Bonesaw, they're piss weak. <laughs> uh, you know, I always thought of Spider-Man as, like, literally his alter ego. He jokes a bit because he's nervous and he jokes a bit because he's a little bit socially awkward in real life and that frees him up to be a bit more him and it was weak he's got this weird sort of croaky zoe deschanel voice he literally sounds like zoe deschanel when he cries he looks like a harry enfield character (laughs) his whole tone of voice sounds like a whine and i I'm now at the point I don't want to watch Toby Maguire in anything. He's just a fundamentally annoying screen presence. I fucking hate him in this role. And the fact that when he is the more relatable side of the the duology, i.e. Peter Parker, he's such a stereotype of a 1960s view of a nerd that I can't connect to him. Um, he's borderline creepy around Mary Jane. Um... And it doesn't help I'm not a James Franco fan either. So uh, I do have issues with casting in this film. That's the biggest thing that stops this being my Spider-Man. Apart from the fact Marvel have fucking nailed it now. Um, And we finally got a definitive that is now my Spider-Man and my Peter Parker in the same way that Christopher Reeve is a lot of people's Superman and so on. Um, if, If anything was to stop these films being great, I would have liked... You could replace Tobey Maguire with almost any other eligible candidate and I'd prefer these films to, to what I feel about them now. Uh, I think I think the one, problem, one of the problems is the film itself tends to lionise Peter Parker in, it, in this a little bit too much. Like, the, you just tell, like, the whole, like... No, it seems to sort of, like, sort of, to give, sort of portrays him as, like, a, a, the, a misunderstood great man. A bit too much, like the way like um, Mary Jane explicitly like falls in love with him, even though we don't really know why. Uh, uh, you know, like you know, I mean, it, you kind of buy, buy that she's just like a nice, 
a nice person and is just is probably like one of the people who is wasn't just a dick to him. But then why does she actually fall in love with him? It's just a bit like there's just something about creepy about it because she clearly comes from some kind of abusive home, mm. and then like a lot of abused people, she happens straight into something with somebody who clearly doesn't treat her very well. Flash Thompson, as characterised in this version of the universe, Joe Manganiello, who just looks ludicrously too old for the role. Um, yeah, it looks nothing like Joe Manganiello, as right? Well, it's mainly because his hair's shorter and he's his grey hair and stuff. Yeah, Joe Manganiello as sort of... Some people are born to be a certain age, and he, he, I always feel like he was born to be in like his forties, you know. It just it, it, he, but he does look too old for the role here. Toby looks well too old for the role. Kirsten Dunst not particularly, but then she's only about nineteen when they're filming this, maybe even eighteen for a lot of the filming. Um, James Franco, I'm not quite sure how old he was, but yeah, most of them look too old. But um, there we go. Anyway, so I didn't have a bad time with it. Yeah, I, I think it flows very well. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just wrap up what I, what I generally think. I think it flows very well. I think that's probably what the main strength and why people enjoy it. I think it's. Um, I think I established it was comic book movies were still relatively new. It was just like you know Superman and Batman, and I think no one really and sort it, of quite X Men. But obviously, bear in mind X Men won't have been out by the time mm. this was green lit and written and stuff. Yeah. So you still had a very kind of like not quite sure how to play it. Uh, yeah. To so yeah, so this kind of like ignited a lot of like popular coming. You know, we had from this we had Hulk coming out um, and all sorts, and, and eventually yeah. we, it well the following year to... you had Daredevil, you had the yeah Andy yeah Daredevil. Hulk. The year after, you obviously had a sequel to this. Uh, oh, you had a, the X-Men sequel as well. Fantastic Four. They tried Five, that. 2005, you have Fantastic Four, Batman Begins. Um, yeah, so um, the next year you had a, a new Superman film. Yeah, so it did It did really open the floodgates. But and I think a lot of those... Iron Man came along. And changed the game completely. And left this looking a bit of a relic, but at least it's a pretty relic. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of CGI as well. <laughs> well. We'll get into that because uh, their eyes are bigger than their belly at this stage. Uh, one thing that hasn't really held up. It really hasn't. And the funny thing is, the CG improves in the second film and devolves again for the third. But we'll get there. Um, it, he's very. It's less the CG in terms of um, surfaces and that sort of thing. It's more movement. It's very rubbery, isn't it? Mm. But we'll get to the scenes where that's the case. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yes, let's. So, uh, we have the main titles. And one of the, the striking things was, like, well, Danny Elfman did a score. Um, now, while I struggle to kind of um, think of what the actual theme of the score sounds like, other than just sort of, you know... It evokes a crawling spider. I think the main theme is quite memorable. Mm. What the main theme? Which is the main theme? I can't. I, I struggle to think of it. It's like I know, I know it's. I can't think of a a definitive tune for it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to sit and hum it now. But no. <laughs> go and have a go. Go and have a listen to it afterwards, and I think you'll recognise it once it sticks in your mind. It will. Stick. Yeah. So I actually I've got it in my head, but you know it doesn't sort of. It's not. It's not like Batman. Do you know what I mean? Which is. Uh, I kind well, of it's, agree. It's, I mean, it's, it's a good yeah. score. I like Danny Elfman's music in general. Um, but it's one of those scores where like. You know, you've got the original kind of Spider-Man theme, which they touch upon during this film, and also I think there's a 
scene in the next film where somebody sings it. Um, but is, is, can you hum it? Is it memorable? I'm, I watched it today and I'm struggling a little bit, but that's just down to me being being dim person. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you, Chris. I could hum it, I'm just refusing to. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Dave, uh, anyone. Anyway, carry but on. But one of the things it did make me think of, obviously, was Darkman as well, because that was a very Batman-esque, and that was Sam Raimi as well. Uh, yeah, actually, you, I, I'd forgotten about Darkman. Uh, Darkman was 1990, something like yeah. that. It was So it was between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. And I'd forgotten all about it, but I have seen it. It's Liam Neeson. There's a guy who's like face yeah. melts about every 90 minutes or so. Yeah. And um, yeah, but you can still recognize him because of his enormous penis, obviously. <laughs> God, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> How do we know it's you, Dark Man? We. <laughs> yeah. um, uh... So he did that. It's a good film. It's, it's less Sam Raimi than the Evil Dead films are, in that there's less of a director stamp on it. But you can definitely sort of see like the the Batman tone here. No, sorry, sorry, yeah. not the Batman, but the the Spider Man tone here. There is yeah. there is parallels. It's like okay, well, this, you can tell that this is Sam Raimi toned down, uh, but it's almost like a similar sort of sensibility yeah. as Tim Burton when he did Batman films. Is also like an element of gothic. Also, Danny Elfman doing he's, all those. He's scores. less t- he's less toned down next week, and that, yeah. and that goes right from the first trailer I saw for the second film. But we'll we'll come back to it next week because we'll parallel it to certain shots in the Evil Dead films. Um, some of it will be a, a actual shots, and and some of it will just be generally the way they go about mm. it. Sam Raimi was used to working on small budgets, and he was used to um, coming up with interesting ways to get shots and interesting movement in shot making and you you only really see it in the second film yes here and by the third film there seems to be some sort of dispute with the studio as well so the second film is the only one that really really feels him but um so yeah we start with the title sequence you were saying um we keep getting like shots of like a a a, a computer generated sort of spider-man's hand mm. and the back of his head and stuff like that really playing him as quite an iconic figure coming to the screen for the first time properly yeah uh, it's sort of sweeping through the city you see goblin mask which is a bit of an odd sort of design for a military well, supposedly he's meant to be like a military project, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. So we we get the kind of like, who am I? That kind of old trope of like starting a film. I know, and what he says is bullshit. If someone said it was a happy little tale, it's just like everything he was saying was like not quite really what we go on to see. It's but... a bit naff now, isn't it? It's very much like a, that that old kind of. Chestnut, I did cringe. I was well, like, pro- oh, pro- really. The problem is his voice instantly irritated. I promise I won't do three films of hey, I hate Toby Maguire. I promise. But we're just starting, and like the very first sound of his voice, like grated. Is is it? it, it it's it's that kid like um a, like a shop assistant from The Simpsons. Uh, oh, Mr. Simpson. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he has finished. A bit like that. Like that guy, but not. But yeah, and um, then the first shot of him is running alongside the bus in a pair of what yeah. looked like national health specs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were a little bit. That'll mean nothing to American listeners. But when you were a kid in this country, and you needed corrective specs, you used to get. These, I don't know if they're free now, but certainly when I was a kid, they were free and you got them on like the National Health Service, but they were shit and really basic. Some of what they were for in the Harry Palmer films. Um, a little bit, yeah, Harry Palmer. Or Joe Ninety. Or, or I, my name is Michael Payne. <laughs> That's <laughs> the one. Neighbor. 
Um, yeah, there were a few different designs, but they were awful. And um, my heart sank. Uh, literally, I mean, it got better, but 10 seconds into the film, I thought, we're getting like the parody of a nerd, and he has a fucking awful voice. So I just, I, I did panic to start with. I thought, I don't like where this is going straight away. Mm. But it turns out he's getting on a bus to go to. Gets tripped up, and you know, no, I'm not even like really odd looking people want him to sit next to him. He, he's that unpopular. Yeah, I mean, the, the fat kid who's literally sat there stuffing his face won't let him sit down. You think, he doesn't look like he looks like he smells. You're overpaying this outsider business. <laughs> and and, and, give, and given the fact that he's, he's like, his one, his one mate is actually quite sort of rich and good looking. <laughs> I know! It's like, you know, James Franco's character could just buy friends. <laughs> yeah. he, he lives in some, a building that's evocative. Right, it probably is a famous building, but I don't know which building it is. It always reminds me of the Dakota. But um, he, um, when we talking about it being stylized, when the camera pans across Kirsten Dunst's face, her hair billows back slightly, and mm-hmm. nobody else on the buses does. It's like stylized as it's to how he to sees her. It's to more attractive, mm. and it singles yeah. her out as you know potential love interest. So yeah, that's it, why it happens like that. It, it's how he sees her. As a plot, maybe, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a plot it, contrivance, but that's why yeah. it happens. It's cool, isn't it? It's a good idea. It's a good little idea. It just reminds me of that, like, typical cliche thing, you know, when you sort of, like, you see see someone's face and, and instantly you fall in love, you like, doing TV and, and film stuff. It's like everything just slows down, light shines. Yeah. It's like that episode of Fred's where Denise Richards is, like, shaking her head hair around yeah. really slowly. It's that. <laughs> With, like, Barry White playing on the soundtrack. <laughs> so they're off to uh, a university genetics lab, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, which is quite an odd, you know. Uh, the teacher just tries to be as, as an odd choice because he's 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 very young and he talks in very hushed tones. It's yeah. very much like, right, kids. You know, he's, he, you know, we're gonna do thing. You know, like, oh. Um, I mean, teachers I, don't do talk start at teaching the back. young. I mean, it's not like you can't get a job as a teacher till you're no. thirty-five, is it? No, so but it's it's, it's it's a very off-ball choice because he's not. He's either like the elderly kind of like. Right, okay, a bit bit bored now with with the gig, or you have the kind of like more comedic teacher. He's neither. He's of those. neither. He's kind of an old man in a young's body, actually. Yeah. Um, and he's just trying to get them to shut up, and because they are just like, mm. it is real sort of jocks and nerds. Um, this sort of group of people, mm. and Mary Jane sort of is hanging out with the jock side because she feels like she should. Um, few changes for this version of Spider-Man. The first one is this is not a radioactive spider. It's a genetically engineered one. Yeah. And when they're getting a presentation for, I can't remember the number, but there's there's meant to be like 14 spiders and there's only 13 there or something. One's got out. But when they're describing the spider, not only does it have Spider-Man's color palette, but it they're describing Spider-Man's skill set, basically. Yeah, they can go through all these spiders, don't they, and sort of say, oh, a spider can do this. Oh, a spider can do that. They yeah. didn't seem too bothered that one's missing, did they? They're just no, like, oh, there's one missing, cool. but they're like, yeah, it's fine. This spider creeps after fucking fit women. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's Goes desperate to buy a car. Who's <laughs> on your dress? Oh. Um, yeah, we get, get introduced to Harry, because obviously he gets, like, um, he, he, go, he, he like gets driven in the voice by his dad. So we get yeah. introduced to Norman. Yeah, it's chauffeur-driven. He's yeah. sat in the back. Chauffeur-driven in the rules. And he, he's a bit embarrassed by it. He's like, drop me around the side. It's like, we're well, right here. 
Then, of course, Norman Osborn meets Peter Parker and comes mm. quite close to fellating him. <laughs> so you can see why, like, Harry's a bit oh, put out. Oh, you, you like science? Oh, well, I, I'm a scientist myself. Let's be bum chums. <laughs> he doesn't seem to like his son very much. And there is, like, he's been kicked out a load of schools, which, again, you think you're going to get, like, quite a rebellious kid, and he's not really. But then I, I just think James Franco is a bit weak in the role. He looks okay in a still photo. Fairly good-looking guy and all the rest of it. But I, I've never liked him much as an actor, and I don't like him in this. Um, yeah, I think the role itself doesn't, like... You say, yeah, he's like, okay, right, he's been kicked out of all, all the private schools and whatever. Um, there doesn't seem to be a rebellious streak. The only thing he sense to be is just, like, resentment of, like, you know, of... Of his dad, or 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 just a bit like embarrassed by his by about his wealth or something, which it's not really like a co- it's a common thing that I suppose every kid. I mean, no one wants to like be seen with their parents like you know pulled outside the school, do they? Really? That's that's that, that's something everyone has, no matter what no what what background you're coming from. Yeah, um, although it just made me think of the in betweeners. Then like it's yeah. even worse if your mum's fit or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Total non sequitur, folks, but if you've never seen the in between us, it's really funny. Yeah, so uh, the, he's taking photos for the school magazine. Yeah. And every time he goes to take a photo with quite an old fashioned camera, like in the comic books, he's like elbowed and nudged by the like jocks. Mm. And they think it's the funny thing, it's funniest thing ever. And I'm thinking, you're not very funny. I mean, yeah, but you know, kids like that do. I think, it's prob- I think it's probably because they're about 25 in real life. I'm thinking, yeah. sure, it should be funnier than that. <laughs> You're as funny as the average 13-year-old. Mm. Um, in fact, most 13-year-olds are funnier. But anyway, so yeah, he, he takes photos of Mary Jane because he needs a student mm. and she like, overacts looking ple- chuffed and then he gets bitten while while he's taking photos of her. Yeah. I, and he's Al, uh, and he goes, ow! And then, um, yeah, so at, at some point, this Harry, it is a right confusing thing, because Harry's a bit of a twat in this as well, right? Like, and I'm not quite sure the element, he's, you know, he, he kind of, like, goes to Peter when he's like, like there's MJ, why don't you go and, and, and talk to her? So, obviously, he's aware that you like, that, that, he fancy, that he fancies her, and then and then he goes, like, and he kind of goes, shy, goes, okay, well, I'll I'll go and talk to her, and you're kind of thinking like that might encourage him to come along, but obviously what happens later on we'll get to. But see later on when he says you never made a move, part of me thinks if you're that good a friend, help him out. If he's that shy, go and talk to her for him or mm. something like that. But no, he just steals yeah. his lines because... and then goes, "Well, you didn't immediately cop off with her, therefore I'm having her." Yeah, I mean that, that, that's the weird thing because initially, stage. yeah, you, you're right. You think I thought. All right. Well, I'll I'll just I'll 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 talk to her then introduce you. You know what I mean? Might make it a bit more. But anyway. So anyway, he goes home now. Yeah, we see uh, Ben and May. Yeah, Ben's just lost his job at the, and he's looking for another job at like sixty-eight years of age, which is everything you need to know about the U.S. economy, really. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just like work till you drop. But yeah, the very sort of. It's funny because uh, Cliff Robertson was quite a bit older than the character at this point, but they still had to like make him up to look older because mm. um, he just he aged so well. Um, Peter comes home and goes straight to bed. We see him without like a shirt on, and he's very very scrawny, 
and I did read that was the first thing they shot, and the buff picture in the morning is one of the last ones they shot. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's both, yeah, but it's both him. Whereas I've had mm. people try to tell me it's CG in the past, or like head replacement. I don't think head replacement would have looked this good in two thousand and two, anyway. No, it's not like Captain. America, uh, but it, is it? It, it, it it is him. And bear in mind, he's not a Superman afterwards. He's just like toned and and quite well. He's ripped and mm. a bit bit more muscular, but he's still slender. And he wakes up with superpowers. Don't you just hate it when that happens? <laughs> yeah, don't you just you know? Don't you just hate it when you wake up all of a sudden you 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 you're buff and you know and and, and everything like sort of annoying like yeah. you got great eyesight now and all the rest and of it. Ju- and, and you just go, that's weird. And don't smartest kid in the school, and he hasn't put it together that he was bitten by something genetically modified. The day <laughs> anyway, in the interim, we get uh, Norman. Yes, uh, been on something. Uh, they, they, they. It's a super soldier formula. Yes, with a now, glider. I don't, I don't know if that's literally the super soldier serum, in as obviously this is a Marvel property. But anyway, and a glider. Yeah. So, uh, they're they're talking about, um, yeah. They, but he basically wants to go to human trials, and his his mm. sort of sidekick tells him it, it's not safe. Yes. Uh, uh, but they're in danger of losing funding, so they have a go anyway. Yeah, because yeah. the, the the military guy um, who, who's, who's organising, for some reason, just doesn't like Northern Osborne, which is for reasons I'm not sure of. Uh, he, he, he says, like, oh, well, you know, it'll be my pleasure to, to pull it. It's like, why, why are you hating on him? <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, this is a contractual arrangement as well. Yeah. You, you've commissioned him to do a piece of work for you. Why, why do you want him to fuck it up? You've only got to go somewhere else to get someone else to. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, so obviously he's he's pressured into it and yeah. feels like right. Well, I'm just going to do it myself, just to kind of like move things along, you know. <laughs> and it doesn't work out well. So this happens like on the night when it, like Peter's like in bed, like getting his superpowers and whatnot. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. So well, yeah. So he's back at school. Yeah, he still doesn't catch the bus, but this time his hand sticks to something on mm. the side and rips it off. And this is basically, I don't know what you think, Becca, this appears to be a bit of a sort of metaphor for puberty. Yeah, yeah, isn't that the whole point of it, though? Well, I think because he shoots his own webbing and stuff like that, and he is literally in control of it. Yeah, don't know where it's stored. <laughs> in his pants. <laughs> in his pants. I mean, that, that wouldn't that sort of change... Like his whole body dynamic, though, as well. Like you know, his is is um, uh... rather than just going. That's a bit weird. You think you'd see if I suddenly shot webbing out of my wrist now, I, I'd be straight to like A and E. Yeah, but like, is there something wrong with you? Yeah, uh, is it still safe to be round? Have you got something that's like infectious? <laughs> Don't know. It's like when he, yeah, when he got bitten by the spider, I was like, would you not go to A and E with that? Because that just that that kind of like makes the kind of. I know, I know. This, this is the always aspect where it comes to like super superior powers and whatnot. But surely that just starts opening up. Is he going to end up like morphine's going to end up having like you know other limbs growing out of him now? Is it is it going to be like the fly? Mm. Yeah. Does he transform into an the, actual the Jeff Goldblum remake where he's slowly sort of changed? Yeah. Or one of those like well, like a werewolf, werewolf movie, for example. Or as you say, like the fly. But no, it goes backwards. Yeah. This this. 
uh, obviously, as you'll know from Marvel and everything else, and those who know Spider-Man will know this, um, this is probably the only incarnation where it, it was organic, the web shooters. Uh, they did comic, they did copy it in the comics for about four or five years, I think. Um, but obviously we've gone back to... I quite liked it as an idea at the time. Less so now. Yeah. Now I think that changed, change, didn't it, as go on? Because first think... of all, it was organic, and then he kind of had some device well, that shot webs out. Sam, Sam Raimi said that he didn't think it was realistic to have some kid making this webbing that, like, 3M can't even do. Yeah, and that's I just true. Thought, well, that's half the fucking point, surely. Because it is organic, and it has come... It is... It's natural, I guess. For, for yeah, but very, the other thing... You know what I mean? That's probably not the right the, word. The other thing, though, is... I mean, I know you get a bit of it into because of his, like, faith and all the rest of it, but mm. there's something about when you've got web shooters, you don't know quite when they're going to run out and things like that. And you no, can that's find it. How stuff. does he know? Yeah. I, 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 with the organic one, it's a bit... There's like, oh, shit, I, I'm, I'm, I've not got it today or for whatever reason. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's yeah. like an extra challenge. I, I don't like it as much but i liked it at the time and it, it's a fair enough take on it i think it's okay i think also a lot of what does help it it's another thing you don't have to explain it's like right fine he's got it uh, you know move on do you know what yeah. i mean you don't have to like add in another story point of no, him it's it's not that, and again it's playing at that sort of puberty a- a- angle because he's not in control of his sort of changing body if you like no just take a while um, to master it doesn't it? it'll be interesting as, as we do the series it'll be interesting to compare and contrast like how how that's represented as well because obviously you know he's a teenager um, and he's meant to be going through going through these changes, yeah. um, as, as we all know. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how like the the next two or three iterations. Well, the Garfield if, version know. is is um, is uh, web shooters, isn't it? So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's the same. Um, uh, okay, so um, the, yeah, so he goes to lunch, where he's deeply unpopular still, like everywhere. Mary Jane falls and he catches her and catches all her food on the tray, which he did for real in about hundred odd takes. <laughs> then he sort of. The food tray catches to his wrist or something, and he accidentally flips mm. it behind him and hits Flash with it, and it lends to leads it leads to a fist fight that I think would raise eyebrows, don't you? When he's doing like triple jumps in the air and stuff like that. But the bit where Flash's fist is moving slowly and his face is moving at normal speed, I think is a good visual. Mm. I think if we had if we didn't have the Matrix, we wouldn't have the scene. We wouldn't have had half the stunts in this film. I think Matrix has got a lot to answer for, definitely, because it's very much, when I saw those stunts, that's kind of where my mind went. And that you can kind of see a through line and that kind of like CGI and bullet time, arm time, <laughs> so definitely, I think, there's a, you know, there's there's definitely a kind of um, a big influence there, which, of course, you know, is hugely influenced by sort of, um, by comic book movies and, and those kind of, those kind of stories. Um, but yeah, I think it just reminded me of the Matrix a lot, which is very cool. Um, but I like those effects. They're very neatly done. Um, and obviously this film as you said at the top of the show Chris it's very much of its time um, a, a lot of the CGI does hold up but there's also quite an awful lot that doesn't um, this is one of the few effects I thought did hold up pretty well it's that yeah, physics I think, engine isn't it that physics programme it is definitely I, I think it does a good I think what, what it does right is, is at the very beginning where it kind of like it sort of like has a sort of sense of where everything is in, in, in the area you, know, you, see, you see the paper play and you see someone like you know find a spit you know you, you get a sense of everything coming around and you finally get to the fist launching straight at him so you get the sense of you know that of his spidey sense you get the you know or it's or as, or as peter single as, as I say. yeah uh, it's it's done well in this iteration although it's, it's the only time it's used though it, it, he's got it when he 
Well, yeah, apart from in the Avengers where like his hair stood up and stuff. I can't remember if it's in the Garfield version. We'll obviously find out again in a couple of weeks. Some It's a bit inconsistent because sometimes he doesn't seem to have it. Certainly in the third film. But then Venom, I think, I think the symbiote blocks his spidey sense anyway. But there, there are inconsistencies with it. But yeah, he goes home and has a chat with uh, Mary Jane across like the school, the fence, because mm. she lives next door. I think there's a scene where you can literally see her from his window. I think that's a bit pervy. I know it's not meant to be, but I, I just well, it's, thought... Oh. It's Ori's going on about how <laughs> wonderful she was in the school play age six. You might as well just say I've been, you know, thinking of nothing but you for like 15 years. <laughs> well, I suppose 10, 12 years. I don't know how old he's meant to be. They're towards the end of school, aren't they? So 18, probably. Although Toby Maguire's about 26 at this point. I thought this conversation was creepy and goes on too long. And there's a few of those in the Andrew and the uh, Toby Maguire run where they just be belabor conversations too long. There's a couple of fucking doozies in the third film. Um, and there's one in the second as well, but uh, yeah. So flash turns up in a car. Mm. So Peter suddenly thinks I need a car and a flashy car. I kind of, I, I don't know what I think of that. There's a part of me that thinks how wonderfully naive that you think that would solve all your problems. She's only with him for the car. And and if you got a car and she left him for you, that would make her... I think it's like comp- competing for it, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. Um, yeah, he's trying to kind of be that level. He kind of thinks, okay, that's the kind of guy I need to be. And then that's kind of like where he needs to be. But it's just, you know, sort of things you do, you know, if you're a teen, aren't you? You kind of think, oh, you must have this or you must have that or you must take this box. Though it's odd how the film never really addresses how he's choosing to... Because you know, because uh, after this, he sort of spots like an ad for, um, for for the for the wrestling gig. It's like you know for whatever amount of money, and he and he makes and he makes like designs and you know like sort of for the Spider-Man outfit. But you know, but it's weird how the film doesn't address like just after establishing that his aunt and uncle are on hard times, and I'm like, I'm going to win all this money just so I can buy a car. You think like yeah. how about yeah, I think, hold on a minute. How, how about how about you won the money just to help him out? <laughs> Bear in mind, in, yeah, a exactly. later, in a later film, the bank fucking foreclosed on me. I mm. know, you know, I know well, Ben it. is still alive, but he's not earning anything at the moment. So yeah, uh, so three grand yeah, doesn't really follow through on that plot line, does it? It's one of those challenge things. Can you do like three minutes with the champion? Hmm. So he designs this suit, which looks really cool, but the, the version of it he actually wears is quite basic pajamas basically pajamas yeah yeah pajamas and a balaclava ben takes him into the library because that's where he says he's going yeah and ben tries to sneaks across the road ben tries to have a talk to him first Mm. Uh, and this is where you get the The classic um, line great power comes great responsibility he basically tells him off for beating up flash thompson and it's like well what was i supposed to do it's like well i'm kind of with you there (laughs) what were you meant to do (laughs) particularly as you were encircled by everybody you couldn't even run away yeah, um, I think I think really the, the whole message is like because obviously he's you know he's changing. I mean the whole point of it is like okay, you, 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 he's just growing meant to be up. Showing, he's trying to show some support. That's all. Yeah, Actually, it's not. It's meant to be support first, lecture second. It's just about sort of like you know just just think carefully about the direction you're going. Uh, you potentially because obviously now you're going to grow into the man you're going to be. So I want that to be from, coming from the right place. Yeah. You know? 
Um, it's fine, and obviously Peter's needs to be a twat here mm. for what comes later. And, so. and, and it's played rather well because I can kind of like get that that kid is like oh, I just want to get on. All. It's like oh, dad, come on, you know, do you know what I mean? Stop, of... Stop trying to lecture me. You're not me. You know, yeah. you don't know me, my life. I just you, want to get know. on with things, and it's like oh, don't have time. You know, don't. I, I don't think it's always when you're a teenager. They always say teenagers think they know best, and I don't think it's always as blunt as that. I think it's. It's it's not that you know best. You just you know different. You know mm. your, your parents are like well even older here, but your parents might be in their forties or something by this point or fifties or whatever. In this case, he's like in his sixties, and it's like you, you can't understand my experience because it was a different world when you were my age, and I want to make my own decisions and my own mistakes. It's not knowing better. Just wanting to make your own way. That was certainly my attitude when I was younger. I didn't know better, but it came off like that because I just wanted to like figure it out. It it, it also is also like a bit. I mean, you're at that age where you are becoming to ha- like take on more responsibility, and you're kind of like hungry for it. You don't want to be sort of tied tied down to like you know your your parents or whoever you know that they have been over the years. So when those kind of interlinked, it kind of grates. So it's like oh, just let me be, you know what I mean, rather than yeah. like. But then you probably yeah, should. Yeah, with college and all that, I'm leaving home in a couple of months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't really be telling me what to do anymore. But yeah, it goes in. Uh, cameo from Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And Octavia Spencer. Uh, which one's that? Uh, I know what Octavia she's Spencer. She's in admissions lady. Like. Is she going? Oh, was she? I don't think I'd ever noticed, to be honest. And she, lo- and she like, oh looks no different. <laughs> she looks exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, well, like Bruce has... doesn't look much different either. You know, well, he's still quite glamorous. And... I'll tell you that we'll get to the thing later on that's dated this film the most and it ain't the effects. Um... Is, is, is it the fact that Macy Gray's a headline act? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, this film could have only been made in about a six-month period. <laughs> She was yesterday's news by the time the film came out. <laughs> this oh, is yeah. it. It's, it's one of those things that kind of it does, you know, place it. The film was it's a very kind of very like an out sort of movie as well, but very much of its time just because of you know the creative choices that are made. Oh. So and some of the fashions as well are, are very kind of like late, you know, nineties, early two thousands. So well, Macy Gray comes along in it, and of course, when Macy Gray came along in life. She was distinctive looking. She had a voice unlike anybody else. Yeah, she had a really Marge Simpson. And, and the song, sorry? Well, Marge Simpson. I don't think Marge Simpson would have had such a bit. Where, <laughs> Julie Kavner would not have had as big a hit with that song. I don't They're really, really soulful, quite gravelly, um, um, but definitely distinctive. I think everyone thought she was going to be an enduring big star, like her or hate her. And she was a total one hit wonder. So it was a fair. How about her album? It was good fun. <laughs> I think I was she had a hit album on top of that hit, but yeah, it's it, she did, it's kind yeah. of like yeah, driven by that hit, driven by that yeah. one hit wonder song over and, here. So. And she was like really sort of like pushed heavily as well. So yeah. like yeah, you know they're yeah. like yeah, so like oh what what a find. It's like you no know, next year no one gives a shit. She, she, yeah, so she she goes into no, the same category like... as people like Tamsin Archer and stuff. They've lasted one song and that was it. I mean, she probably had a career after that. I'm talking about fame. Yeah, I think her last album was, was um, 2018, 2019. So. Yeah, I was going to say she's probably still working and still fairly successful, but she mm. wouldn't be she wouldn't be headlining something in Times Square. No, plus this, you know, I think this is probably one of the most highest grossing films of, of 2002. I'm going to say. Um, so, so this kind, of, yeah, this kind of yeah, really was, helped it, it give her, you know, give her a boost in her career. So. Well, yeah, boosted it massively. She didn't. She had a big hit before it. <laughs> it it was fine. <laughs> um, yeah, this film was. It was. It was the first film to gross 
over 100 million in its opening weekend. And that was stunning at the time. Yeah, that, I remember, that was something back then. I remember the figure coming out and it was like 114 million. And I was like, fucking hell. That yeah, was, was just mammoth. Yeah. Um, Especially, you know, post 9-11 as well. Um, and, you know, on the series I've often oh, spoken that, about, about the locations being yeah. characters in the movie, I think this one was, is yes. undoubtedly that... They yeah. added uh, they added a scene in after nine eleven and it was just one of the most wrong headed thing they did in the whole film but we'll get to mm-hmm. it. Um, <laughs> oh, is that the thing where he's where you, you get mess cutaways? With us, mess with all of us. Yeah, pretty much. So, but it, it just shows like the unity after, and everybody so. pulling together after a, you know after a major uh, after a major tragedy. So it was it, now it looks a bit like mm, you know. But the time to be honest, Becca, it really definitely. Did. Like, the heart was in the right place, but it's like ears pandering. Just don't. This is a, um, I'd say, you know, it meant well at the time. Um, and I think so that's kind of, that was like the one sort of token thing that they really had to do to kind of get people together. So, Ra- uh, Randy Savage. Randy Savage didn't laugh either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has the cameo here, doesn't he? he? He was nothing to me. I had to look up who he was afterwards. Really? No, he was a real. I, I thought don't... you'd be all over it. What? Wrestling? Yeah, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I thought you might what, be a fan. Has it seen a bo- something like a boxing ring? No. No, I just thought you might be a fan. I don't know. I just no, Chris, kind of saw on social media. Fan. I thought you might be a fan. I must admit that I, inadvertently I've almost insulted Chris there because I've gone, wrestling? No. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I had a, like, a, 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 had a brief period when I was really into it in my oh, right, like, okay. early 20s. but I never liked it. Uh, first off... Um, it was needlessly homoerotic. They were all so It was all staged, uh, wasn't it? It was all staged. Trash talk. Yeah, that was that was the deal breaker though. First off, if you're gonna stand in a ring like that, punch each other. That's what I wanna see, not fucking like cuddling. No. Um and I I it what the trash talk I always thought was ridiculous. I just thought it was so over the top. Quite a comedy moment. Um and I mean boxing can be pretty bad. But mainly is it's not real. People, people no, would go, who do you not. fancy to win this one? I was like, well, if the script leaks, you can find out. Yeah, you can find out. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's the whole point, though. It's like wrestling is basically a soap opera in spandex. That's that's basically what well, it, it is. That's why we've people tune in. We've talked a little bit online. Chris and I have talked a lot more online about what the appeal, offline about what the appeal of it was, because we did a... Uh, summer review where we went quite early in the year for the first film we covered like fighting with my family and we talked on air about it but we talked off air as well because I'm quite open about the fact I used to look down my nose at it now I don't look down my nose at anyone or anything now but um, I really wanted to know with an open mind what the appeal was and Chris sort of sat and kind of talked to me about wrestling for a while and what the appeal was and it's like yeah I get it but I'll never feel it so yeah, Randy Savage was absolutely nothing to me, but I would imagine he was quite a sizable cameo, wasn't he, Chris? Oh yeah, he's like you know, he's obviously he's from the classic era of like Hulk Hogan and things like that. You know, it's he oh, is Undertaker he is, and all that lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's he's one of that, and plus he's, he's just a memorable character because you know, he, you know, how he is in the in the film is is how he how he is on you know in the ring. He's like oh yeah, you know, it's, it's very memorable, very kind of basically Duff Man, pretty much. <laughs> no, uh, um, I mean, I I can't say I I'm accustomed to seeing him wrestle that that often, so I can't see him. I don't know how generally good he was, but obviously he was must have been good enough and memorable enough. Um, and he's he's a lot of fun, you know, as a character called wrestler. He, he I think that 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 is what he is. You know, Macho Man Randy Savage is like if you had a you know you know picture a stereotypical you know like. 
over-the-top wrestler, it would be him, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Hulk Hogan was in Rocky Three. Yeah. As like a little sort of thing at the start of the film, so it's not unlike that. Bonesaw is ready. Yeah, just as, just as, uh, <laughs> like Hulk veins Hogan popping played, out everywhere. Yeah, he like... played a different character with a large amount of himself in it, as yeah. I'm assuming he's done here. Yeah. So he announces himself to. Bruce Campbell as the human spider. Bruce Campbell thinks it's lame and announces him as Spider-Man. I mean, what what I kind of like what I like about when when movies do wrestling is like it it's like they they follow the the trajectory of like wrestling is kind of real. So you have these like big buff guys like seriously getting beat up. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like well that wouldn't happen. It'd be like this would be more like UFC, wouldn't it? If that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, particularly a bit, bit literally because it becomes a cage match. Yeah. Um. I mean, don't get me wrong. The one thing I do know is wrestlers put themselves through it. They do hurt. You know, they do hurt each other. Yeah. But, but obviously there has to be limits because it's pointless deciding on a script where I win and you knock me out in the first fucking 30 seconds because, like, you, you you slammed into me too hard. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Um, this is okay. Um, there, But a, a sign of what's coming is, uh, he says at one point, Nice suit. Did your husband make it for you? Now, leaving aside the fact you would not put that line in a film now, forgetting what is or isn't offensive about it, it's really fucking lame. And I just thought, like, that's this iteration of Spider-Man. There's no fucking wit in him at all. Well, that's the only time he quips with, though, isn't it? Yeah, he's mute most of the rest of the time. Yeah, I mean, it it does sound something like a Spider-Man kind of line, but at the same time, that's that's all he says. We don't get get quips really until Mm. the second Garfield film. In mm. the opening, the opening sequence. Well, no, we get a bit in the first one as well, actually. Um, so yeah, he basically wins. I, I don't think we need to say much more than that, no. do we? And then he goes back to the office to collect his—is it a thousand or three thousand? Uh, Some money, anyway. Yeah, he just gives him like hundred dollars, saying like, "You know, he didn't last the three minutes or whatever." See you right. later. I don't know if it was meant to be 300, 1,000, mm. 3,000 or what, but he's not given as much as he should. And he said, I need that money. And he said, I missed the part where that's my problem. Who is that actor? I recognise him. I'm, I'm wondering if I've seen him in NYPD Blue or something. What's the character called? Uh, let me have a look. Um, I need to go looking for him because I, I do... Um, I've seen him in other things, but I think it was like TV. I have a feeling he might have been like the captain... Not the first one, but one of the captains in NYPD mm. Blue. He came along in like a later series and became like one of the bosses. Okay. Um, uh, I'll I'll see if I can find him in a minute. But anyway, so carry on. What's what's next? Uh, and then he has gets robbed immediately afterwards by uh, a guy with a, a distinguishing looking hair. So you know. Well, that's handy. So you just go. I think I recognise you. Yeah. <laughs> Burned on his memory. Michael Rappaport, I think that is. Yeah, I've seen him in stuff as well. No, yes, he was Michael, Michael Papajohn. Oh, Papajohn, not Rappaport. Um, Michael Rappaport was somebody else entirely. Yeah. Uh, NYPD Blue, he was Captain Clifford Bass in it. I remember him, yeah. He was in only about 11 episodes or so, right in the middle of its run. Mm. He's got quite a distinctive voice. It's a lot higher than you think it's going to be when he opens his mouth, but not comedically so. But he's done a load of different TV Right up. To, uh, last thing he did was Masters of Sex. That was with Michael Sheen. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, so he's robbed. 
And just as Peter's leaving, the guy comes racing out of the office and Peter steps out the way to let him by. Yeah. As yeah. the door closes, he just says thanks to him. And then the promoter says, why didn't you stop him? Uh, and Immediately, I thought, it's like, well, to be fair, he was armed. So <laughs> why, why, did, why didn't you stop him? Because, like, we're in the United States and he might have blown my fucking face off. <laughs> well, he's got a gun and he could well have done that anyway. It's established. Like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like... <laughs> well, in fact... Yes, he must have a gun for obvious reasons. I, I think we see it here, but even if we didn't, it's like obvious he's got one. It is. It's his hand. He's running with it. He's like, you I know, thought it's like... he was, but like I can't quite remember. The yeah. fact is, even if we hadn't seen that, he goes on to shoot somebody in a minute, so he clearly had a gun. Yeah. Although that gets retconned in the third film, but there you go anyway. Uh, all right, so then what? Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, then he goes like, oh, I missed that part, that's my problem. So then he goes and then... He goes to set picked up by Uncle Ben, and um, Uncle Ben's been shot. There's a, there's a crowd around yeah. somebody. He can't see who it is to start with, and when he gets there, it's a Ben on the floor dying. Um, this is played really well. Uh, the pair of them are quite emotional, because yeah. uh, Ben is crying. Um, and, and that's, that's the thing just... I thought was really good. It wasn't like the, the stereotypical, Peter, remember what I said, great power, Chris, what spills it. He's literally just like... Nor was it blind ben is, terror, he just says, nor was it... Yeah, he's he just, just says, like Peter, Peter, and it, and it looks absolutely scared, like someone who's dying. That's what that's what I thought was really really yeah. hard about it. That's yeah, what it was good. And yeah. it's the one time in this series where Toby Maguire crying doesn't make me want to fucking vomit. <laughs> yeah, um, this is really well played, and so I, I can't remember what sets him onto the bad guy. Does he hear the police or something? <sighs> yeah, something because basically he's, he's, he starts ch- he starts chasing the yeah. The, you know, the, the, the sign, yes, it would have been like a police radio we heard. And just would have That's what to... I thought, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a scene in, I think, one of the original trailers that they uh, reanimated it into the full Spider-Man mm-hmm. outfit to get a shot from this sequence. They sort of cheated on it a bit. But it's I like this because it's really clumsy and awkward, isn't it? Mm. He's sort of using these powers, but yeah. What do you think, Becca? Yes, Dave, I would agree. Um, it's in the very early stages of him becoming the heroic, friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man that we all know and love. Um, Ian is right in that it's kind of perfectly orchestrated to make him like appear clumsy, and he's still very much honing his skills um, and honing his um, his outfit and his uniform um, as well, and the whole look of it. But you know, he's, he tries, and his heart's there. But yeah, it's this the scene is definitely engineered to kind of make him look. He's still in the very early stages of of learning how to become a superhero. So uh, yeah, so he finds him, and uh, obviously it's the you know he. He finds he finds out it's the same guy. It's like oh, instant karma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ain't that a bitch? Um, and then and then Robert's like happy to like sort of shoot him, you know, after like sort of pleading for his life and whatnot, and and then trips himself up just to give, you know, yeah. I always laugh at that sort of like well, it kind of leaves a bit of you know conscience cause like well, I didn't do it. He killed himself, but. <laughs> It's like well, it's, it's quite it's quite dodgy though, isn't it? It's, it's something like he's faced with like real peril. Yeah, if I um, walk on the street for the first time, so. if I walk you back to the edge of a building and then you trip and fall off it by yourself, I was some somewhat complicit. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's the end of that. So Ben's killer's dead. Ben is dead. Uh, where do we go from there? Uh... Is it is it just me? Sorry to interject. Is it just me? But I kind of got the, this. Is going to sound really really horrible and heartless, but I don't feel that way at all. I kind of got the impression that the Ben's death was not as impactful as it should have been. I kind of feel it's quite obviously they, you know, they make a lot of it and 
because they made a big a big moment of you know from great power comes great responsibility things like that but i kind of feel that um the later iterations that we see um and the other films are kind of have carry more weight carry more impact i don't know i just kind of felt like you know they didn't sort of treat it as if it was like oh ben said oh that's fine we'll see i just kind of felt like it was played a it could have been given a more emotional heft. Well, he has the single tear roll down the cheek after. Well, the yeah, this is it, like the it one is, singular tear. Um, and I kind of I, felt like, oh, that should be a bit more. I mean, it was, it was a very sad scene, um, but I kind of it, feel like it a little bit. It, it, I don't feel it driving the mission in quite the same way as Batman's parents' death. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Is that fair to say, Chris? I, I kind of feel like it should have been like a more. It should have been a bit more like that, but that might be, you know, catastrophic to say. I don't know. So. Uh, I mean, I mean, how much screen time have, have we got with uh, Uncle Ben? Um, not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. We've got a scene with, I think that could be part of the problem, but I don't know how you get around it, because if you had like half an hour of him and Aunt May just chatting to each other, you'd be a bit like, get on with it. Um, but there's one scene of I've lost my job. He's he's just quite a stereotypical granddad figure, mm. really. Uh, sort of guardian. You have um, the stuff with him, like, you know, obviously, you know, Wait, wait to paint the the kitchen, or you know, mm. um, I suppose. Yeah, that... it's it's quite stereotypical. At least when we get to, I mean, I've got issues with the way they do it, but when we get to the reboot, um, firstly, Martin Sheen is just immediately it's Martin Sheen, but secondly, he's got like a playful sort of impishness to him. You know, he's got you on his computer, that sort of thing, mm. and uh, so we see he, he comes off as more of a sort of jokey father figure to that peter than this one does to this peter mm. it it's it's kind of like power really you know to to this pe- this peter anyway because obviously he's a very much like you know this uncle ben's like very stereotypical like what you know everyone envisioned from the comics what uncle ben yes. is like yes and it is a comic brought to life and it's like yeah it's like yeah, i think i think the only things is like the this peter is very much like someone who is Basically, spent majority of his time around like two two elderly people, so that kind of like he spent majority of his time with that. Now that comes with like you know he's quite genuine and quite you know decent. He's got he's got old fashioned morals, yeah. as we would say it, which is a bit of a cliche, but there's something to that, yeah. So I think it's something like I think I think I think that's probably what it is like. But anyway, um, that's why he's probably not very contemporary with his. Uh, with his kids, I should say. But anyway, um, so we move on. This is like where the Green Goblin comes and blows up the the one that's the the, the competition, should we say, randomly, and we, and we have a weird transition with like everyone getting graduated, um, and Harry creeps on NJ. You know, literally just sees like. Um, I always felt they didn't leave him in school long enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did find it very creepy in this scene. I, I'm not. Um... I'm not fetishizing the idea of Peter Parker always has to be a schoolboy, but if you're going to start there, like, why have him leaving within like forty minutes or whatever? Yeah, yeah, they move fast. Okay, so sorry, we they all graduate. Yeah, um, one of the few things that's done better in the reboot, just uh, the whole, it's just me. yeah, that has, that has done a lot better, isn't it? I except think. for except for Emma Stone's speech in it, which is peak Orsi and Kurtzman. <laughs> But, um, oh, that's, that's by the by. Uh, that's by the by. So <laughs> um, we haven't mentioned. No, we haven't mentioned because he hasn't appeared yet. I was going to say about um, J.K. Simmons. We're not quite there yet. No, we haven't quite got there. Yet. He appears quite late on, doesn't he? But I think when he does, yeah. 
even though he is yeah it's a so, different characterization um to, to what we see in the comics but i still think he's brilliant um i think kind of um inspired by ben's death uh peter then builds himself like a million dollar suit <laughs> yeah it's literally a million dollar suit um all the latex yeah it, it's it's and, and um, without this as well you know and, Iron Man and then we have the superhero montage of like montage yeah people uh, literally literally talking to camera about yeah. like 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 they're talking to reporters or something one of which is actually uh, looks like it's ground zero Did yeah it, it does look a little bit it might yeah it does have that air about yeah. it and there's, yeah. a, there's a cheesy scene of like new, newspapers kind of like scrolling by in the background and then you've got kind of you know um typical guy turns to camera and you just think oh god yeah at the time it was probably cool but but now you just think cringe he, he, he saved my kid we're dead you know all that kind of thing he's like, baby well, gives it's him all, the right it's almost, not... it's, it, it's almost the p- people in the film talking to the audience saying we can't believe it either do you we know what believe. i mean it's such a privilege to have these types of films at this point yeah um it's all right though it's quite efficient he gets out there and starts doing good and then uh, yeah then we have with um jay jonah he, he likes his buskers doesn't he sam raimi he really does he has quite a few i think there's a couple that pop up in the uh in the sequel as well i don't think i read a review that didn't almost disproportionately talk about jay jonah jameson in this film because that's ripped from the pages of a comic book. No one yeah. in reality has their hair cut, do they? No. Do you know what I mean? He's like... a bit kind of like flat top madness, isn't he? Yeah. I think I think the smart thing did they, they, they played, you know, he plays it with a, a hint of humour. Because I don't know, I don't know the comics that well, so I I can't really say. He strikes me as someone who doesn't necessarily. He, he's very stereotypical, like you know, um, a press. Uh, press boss you know he's like you know he's he's very like shouty and deadlines yeah wants it but there's you know this plays him with like this kind of like knows the ridiculous of, of his look and and the way he is so he always like so you know he has a very very sort of good comedic timing mm. you know with the way he's like constantly like sort of talking at a million miles an hour and then like you know, like 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 when peter comes in with a job he's like he tells him crap 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 go away and then he's about to go away he goes wait yeah, that 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 kind of thing. He's actually, spoke. if you break it down and slow it down, he's actually in total control of what he's doing. Yeah, he he can completely multitask. He's got not. He's only got time for what he's got time for. Um, his secretary there, Betty Brandt, is um, Elizabeth Banks, who obviously mm. went on to be a big star. She did audition to play Mary Jane. Can't see that really. I think she was pushing it on age at that point because I think she'd have been late twenties by that point. Um, yeah, something like 28 or something when the film came out. But uh, never gets much to do in the film. But uh, yeah, obviously just worth mentioning Elizabeth Banks because she went on to be a bigger star and a filmmaker as well. Um, and obviously it's worth noting one of the sort of lackeys in the office, and it's the same for the sequels, is Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's brother. Come here. Yeah, he's yeah. always pops up in a Ted Raimi film. Yeah, he does. Bruce Campbell and... Uh, Ted Raimi pop up. They're pretty much the two stuff. guaranteed, really, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we obviously, yeah, this is where about Peter Tetz gets a job, um, and and Norman and we get got to Norman gets outed of the company because they just feel like, oh, we're cutting the ties, we're 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 liquidating or, or something along those lines, aren't we? Uh, they've got uh, 
buyers interested. Yeah. They've accepted an offer and they're trying to clear the decks because you can't have like new bosses come in and the old mm. boss is still there. They said they don't want a power struggle. And that's after he said, you know, profits are up. Uh, we've got record stock market figures or stock prices and so on. But they get rid of him and he's like, I'll get you next time gadget sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit yeah. furious. Because before this, he's, he's kind of like talking to himself, isn't he? He's like talking about like, you know, the like the goblins talking to him in like, yeah. in, in, in like sort of like it's got a split personality. Yeah. Yeah. Where he talks, he, he, it's his mouth is always moving, but mm. like the mirror represents the goblin talking back at him. And was this before two towers? Cause I can't remember. The two towers didn't, uh, came out at the end of this year. I mean, they'd have filmed it all. Don't mm. forget, but the two towers came out December of this year. Cause that, cause that, I certainly thought of that when, He's doing. I think it's the second. It's the big one where he's like, mm. Goblin probably reveals himself to him, and he's talking himself in a mirror, and you know, and he does it rather God well. Arguing with himself hadn't mm. come out at this stage. Yeah. Or Gollum and Smeagol, I suppose technically. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. And then we cut to Macy Gray and CGI balloons. <laughs> Just to interrupt, the <laughs> folks, we are covering Tolkien at some point. It's on the list, but anyway, uh, and I'll look forward to that because I haven't covered them for ages. Um, no, I, again, think... I, don't, I don't think I've seen the film since. God, can you, like, imagine since how long, long the episodes are going to be, though. Oh, well, we'll have to do it into, in parts. We are I gonna... think we'll have to split it up into parts. Just, just for pure um, workload, we're going to have to pick a cut and stick with it. So we're either going to have to say, right, Probably folks, be we're doing extended, or right, blokes, uh, right, folks, we're doing the theatrical, because I haven't got time to watch all of those amazing number of extras they did. And the extended version and the theatrical yeah. version. I haven't got the time. So we'll have to just pick one and go for it. Probably. I don't think it really matters, so I to think, speak. I think, I think what you need to do probably is watch the extended and be aware of what's not in the theatrical. That's we, probably the best We might, be, I might, might have to go a bit more general in our talk through the film, I think. Like, you yeah, know. No, you know, try and say, well, at this point, obviously, it does branch because that's not in the, yeah. Uh, the the only one I think it hurts is The Two Towers because I think the films, just very quickly, my memory is the Tolkien film sort of declined in a straight line in that I, I think Fellowship is actually the best film they, they made. Mm. But that's in the theatrical versions. I think The Two Towers really benefits from the extra stuff. Um, it really does. The Two Towers is a much better film in its extended version. Mm. I was quite bored by the theatrical version. And Return of the King just doesn't need it because it's too long already. And then you just throw all that extra shit on. It's about 50 minutes extra. It's just too long. It's, it's nice to have uh, the Krista Saruman death scene. That's so, true. Just, yes. Just for it's quite brutal as well yeah. um, in a PG-13 way. So, yeah, um, they're, they're all in the city now. Uh, Harry is um, flat-sharing with Peter. And she's working as a waitress, isn't she? And uh, uh, a cocktail, cocktail bar. bar. <laughs> working when I met you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, Harry's dating dating her. Yeah, they split. She split with Flash Thompson literally at the um, uh, graduation. Mm. Every time I mention Flash, I must go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just anyway. think of like bathroom cleaner. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it took a uh, how um, many decades to come up with that joke. So yeah, um, so we, we the world's being like painted quite nicely, but quite broadly, mm. and uh, we get some action sequences of Spider-Man sort of posing for 
camera, the camera, and it's really rubbery. The CG. He's fighting someone mm. who's bouncing and springing, and it doesn't look right at all. It's the weakest CG in the film. Um, then what? Uh, yeah, so we have the the Macy Gray thing. Yeah, Macy Gray thing with the uh, CGI party with the balloons and all. And this whatnot. is the most stylized part of the film. It goes mm. really primary color here, doesn't it? And that building never looks like it's in real New York. It looks like you know soundstage and green screen. And I don't think it's. I don't think the effects are bad. But they're supposed to be Times Square, it's, it's, aren't they? And I'm like trying yeah. to think, where's that in Times Square? It isn't. It's kind of. It's, it isn't obviously. Yeah. Uh, but not obviously. I don't mean to sound insulting to you there. I just mean like I think the obvious point becomes if you can't place it, it's not there because you know New York better than I do. Mm. And um, I I don't know. I thought it was. The, the one thing when we get to the Garfield, the first Garfield film, decidedly not the second one, is it was the one film that Spider-Man's ever done, or, or one film they've ever made with the character, where you get a, a sense of scale, where New York is massive, and at times Spider-Man is this little fucking speck. Yeah, sort of dwarfed. Here, he, here he's always very big in frame, and it's very, that's very comic book. Um, mm, I thought the same. Basically, the board are there. They've told it Harry uh, normally he's got 30 days to resign. He's not been invited to this event, uh, the World Parade or whatever it's called, headlined by Macy Gray. I don't know what parade this is mimicking. What parade is it? It's a made-up um, one, Mace- I think. Yeah. yeah, I think it's basically like Unity Day or something, but I wonder if it's meant to be like the Macy's. Yeah, what's that you parade? Know, Macy's pr- um, floats. Parade. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the Green Goblin attacks it. Yeah, so he kills out the rest of the board. Kills the rest of the board with this sort of pumpkin-shaped bomb that is straight out of the comic books. Mm. I like the... Um, I don't know how you would have done it. I did see make-up an alternative version of what he could have looked like in this film. I don't know if they could have made it look good, but do we like the goblins get up in this? It's a bit Power Ranger-y, isn't it? Well, it's it's it depends on, like, well, what... what... Do you want to go with like? Uh, do you want do you want him to wear? Is he wear, wears like a rubber mask or something a bit more tactical and military or military esque? Or you just do away the concept of of a goblin kind of get up anyway? The only other way you could go is like the what they do in the the, the Garfield ones, which like it's like a mutation type sort of get up. Yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm but, looking at the original mask now, and it. It's pretty awful. That I don't know that they would have. Uh, neither would have looked good. Put it that way. Yeah, I think the only, the only way you'd, you'd. Yeah, I don't think there's there, there's way you sort of get around that really. Um, unless you, unless you make the goblin such a madman that he would wear like a goblin. Mask. I do like the idea of a mutation. I think I think the best thing would have been to try and get like a flavor of the comic book, mm. a bit like they did with the the, the goblin in the the reboot yeah i that i don't know um i think that's just like a, a compromise or something you, you'd have to like weigh weigh the pros and cons with and also what what suits the the actual world of which you know the universe of the, of the movie itself you know the tone um you could just go full out like along those lines just like it, it's never been it's never been one of the better aspects of the no this this incarnation. You, 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 I suppose you could just like do away the whole concept of goblin wearing like a goblin mask and just have it like just make it all just tactical. 
Make but, it a bit like the new Goblin in the third yeah. film, I suppose. I don't know. It, it's okay, but it's it's tempting to look at it and say that's dated, but actually it, it didn't look great at the time, to be honest. I think everyone was a bit like, can sort of see why you've gone this way, but we're not sure we like this. I've got a fun fact about his costume coming up later on. Okay, we'll stop banging on about that then, because we don't want to step on that <laughs> one. P- Peter saves, or Spider-Man saves some kid who is frozen to the spot. Yeah, and then he saves Mary Jane before she falls off the balcony, and uh, and, and swings, and swings her her to a place of safety. Which I I thought that's in John Wick too. That <laughs> yeah, hold on a minute. That's 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 the top of the uh, of the uh, what's that? What's the name of that place called? I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, Winston. Where? Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're on about, but I can't remember what the building. Oh, you mean the Continental? Yeah, Continental, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant in real life. No, no. Yeah, I think that place is near Wall Street. I mean, uh, 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 well, the, the actual Continental building is the Flat Iron, but I am not. Yeah. But I don't know that the Roof Garden is. Yeah, yeah, the Roof, roof Garden is actually near Wall Street as well, I think. But, um... All right, okay. okay. All right, so she's suddenly like, ooh, who's that guy? Mm. And Parry's not been very nice or very helpful to her. Yeah, he's getting a bit like jealous because, like, you know, obviously, you won't stop talking about super, like, I was gonna say Superman there, Spider Man, because um, he's such a, he's such a wonderful guy, even though like you know nothing about him. He's just, you know, he's just pulled you out from somewhere. That that would be like, mind you, a lot of women do, I suppose, but that'd be like, I don't know, going on about a fireman for like <laughs> weeks afterwards. So they saved you, but it was. Just I mean, to be fair, you would be kind of pissed off then, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah. If you're Harry, um, um, yeah, and of course there's another sequence following up um, later, the the braless stiff nipple sequence. Yes, which is what anyone thinks of. And they see this see the upside down kiss. Yeah, which, um, uh, yeah, which is rain, iconic. Rain, mach- rain machines with water going right up his nostrils. <laughs> yeah, he saves her for some rapists, basically, or something like that. And Some very like, cartoon rapist. Like, and she's like, here are my breasts. <laughs> and then he appears upside down and she sucks him up. No, no that's the Paul parody, sorry. Um, she, she kisses him. An upside down blowjob. Yeah, um, also, um, yeah, so, no, so Norman convinces himself. Like, I'm, I'm actually guessing because I've not seen the porn parody. It'll, it'll be along those lines, but it won't it? It has to be, doesn't it? It has to be an upside down blowjob. If it's not that, what else would it be? <laughs> um, if you've seen the Spider Man porn parody, write to us and expect us to talk at gmail.com. The Goblin decides, like, I know, well, why don't we get him to join us for reasons I'm not entirely sure? And we uh, kill him and shit. It's like, it's his shit. This like, is shit. The, the, so the Goblin has Jameson, which Jameson doesn't give up Parker because he's. Um, and and, spi- and spi- was, this could have been this is them two talking on the roof could be like it's the sort of thing kids playing with two action figures would come up yeah with. Uh, but it is the big question that I, that I think right so Goblin like sort of basically is got Spider-Man so he doesn't sort of pull his mask off to find out who he is doesn't just kill him because that would just be easier anyway yeah but yeah, he sort of keeps just offers him a job of indeterminate. Think about goal. it, and he's just like thinking, well, "Hang on, why do you why do you think he's going to accept? Why what what benefit is it to you anyway?" And you know, I mean, we've never established what your goals are. I mean, I don't think you have goals. I think you've just been driven insane by the serum. Mm. But 
you're with it enough to know that to take out the the business guys. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know if it is. You, you raise an interesting point with Gollum and Smeagol. I don't know what you think, Becca, but the the goblin isn't Norman per se, is it? No, it it does. It did obviously with that film in, in the book. Obviously, now obviously made for the screen that sort of thing as well. Um, it did now remind me very much of that kind of Gollum Smeagol um Smeagol Deagle um scene. Um, but I think it's it's played really well actually for me. It's always difficult. Um, as, I, I have, I feel bad because I, I do have a bit of a problem because like very often these comic book villain, villains um, are often kind of you know there's like a, an experiment gone wrong or, or an accident or something, or they just lose their mind essentially. But you really have to be careful how you portray that on screen, yeah. um, especially now when we are more sensitive to, to these things as perhaps we were in 2002. To conflating um, mental health with flat out madness and evil. Well, exactly. This is it. You, you have to you have to be very careful. Um, but here, you know, it's it's I'm not saying it's okay, but it's it was within the realms of you know comic book fantasy. So that kind of it's the same with Bond. You know, for example, there's a, there's a degree of like comic book violence, and and you can kind of get away with it also just because it is in such a fantastical environment. Um, but I, I I remember kind of being quite impressed with this scene um, when I saw it at the cinema. Um, the fact, you know, he's does a fantastic performance whatever he does i haven't seen him in a bad film um and if he is in a bad film he you know does okay out of it Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah definitely yeah. and you can kind of you know he's he plays both roles really convincingly um even just with like a smile or with a certain expression on his face um he sort of plays right. the, the two the dual sides of him you know really convincingly would you um, say yeah. would you say he and jk simmons are the two absolute standout bits of casting in this film Personally, I would. I mean, my, my highlight would probably be like him and yeah, Jackie Sims definitely. Um, but then I'm a big fan of Garfield later on, so I will speak highly of him when we come to see him later on. Um, but yeah, I think for, well, for me, definitely Evan Foe was, was the highlight. Um, just, it's, you know, we spoke a little bit about his costume. I think it's quite cool, but obviously, having grown up with Power Rangers and those kind of Sentai shows in the 90s, it is a little bit like that. It's very much influenced that way. Um, and I would prefer this one to kind of the later iterations that we'll see later on um but yeah I, I do get what you mean about the whole like Gollum Smeagol thing I can definitely see that you know looking back on this scene now Smeagol and Gollum are two different people really aren't they Smeagol tortures is tortured by Gollum really pretty much yeah well, Gollum's basically he's, he's a drug addict essentially isn't he so and basically Gollum's kind of like what, what he's what he's sort of become because of his addiction unfortunately um I think it was yeah Smeagol and then his brother Deagle um as from what I can remember reading the books. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely see, obviously now, you know, I think it's kind of really um, made that role his own. But yeah, I can I can see the two, mm. I can see the, the similarities, I can't even speak now. Um, I can see the similarities and differences, you know, between them. But no, it's quite, it's very spooky, a very kind of eerie scene. Um, but I think it's done quite well. Um, I wouldn't yeah. know how sensitive it would be, but yeah. Talking <laughs> yeah, about I just think that nowadays default. you have to be, you know, very careful in, in presenting something like that. Yeah. But I think the way we did it, and obviously using, using the trope of, of the mirror, for example, um, you know, it's, it's a well-worn, well-worn um, trope of, of doing that. You see that in pretty much, you know, all, all cinema. The get-out clause with, like, with, with that is, though, it's like, well, it's the the formula that's brought it on, and, like, with... Well, exactly, yeah, And with uh, Smeagol, it's, it's the magic ring know. that that corrupts that, you know, do, do you know what I mean? So there are other elements other than, like... Yeah, real. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't think. It's, it's handled really well. It's, it's a standout never, scene. So. 
I, I don't think it's never right wrong. I don't think it's always wrong, rather, to have <coughs> a, a sort of mental condition lead to heinous acts. I think where it does bother me is, I mean, in real life, where you get somebody goes into a movie theater and shoots it up in America or something, and the, and the, the, it's immediately put down to mental illness. And I think, well, for those people out there who are suffering with mental health conditions, it's just, it's just a, it's an insult, and it, it actually is so counterproductive because people get very wary of mental health conditions, and most of them are no, uh, no threat to anybody. You know, the only person who suffers is the person with the condition and and those that love them. Mm. But um, yeah, so where do we go from there then? So it's let's be partners, and he's like, no. Yeah, so that so yeah, but they basically have like the the other stuff with the the the, the mugger on, and then we have, and then we have like burning building. Yeah, which, he, which like, is, goes... he goes into um, mute again. No, no, no human, no nothing. Goes in um, and the go- he stages the fire. The goblin just mm. um, wants his answer. Ends up cutting his arm. Yeah. And, and then it's Thanksgiving. And all I remember... Uh, it, 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 it's it, an odd it scene, like, isn't it? Well, it's a bit like scratch and sniff now. Because the problem is, not long after the film came out, I was reading interviews with the cast. And one of them, and I think it was Willem Dafoe, said how much that turkey stank. Because they were filming all day, and under hot lights, the turkey started to turn and stuff like that. Mm. So every time I see this scene, I, I just kind of I, I can almost smell the food poisoning. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The way is Norman talks about Mary Jane very audibly to um, Harry is quite uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, because obviously they're meant to be like, so, oh, me- meeting this, uh, meeting this, this girl that Harry keeps talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, part of that, yeah, part of that's meant to be like the goblin, I think. Like, yeah, it's shag- Shagger and Lever, basically. She's she's not she's not in your league. It, 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 even though he's not even like spent any time with her at all to even know anything about her. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, it's it's really. And actually, even even if she was just a waitress, bear in mind they're all sort of college age at this mm. point. We're not talking about somebody who might, you know, will never be anything, definitely, even if you did judge that sort of thing. So it's a bit of a strange sequence, and the, and the line between the goblin and the, um, and Norman is actually blurring, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, it and he seems to be sort of fighting it at different points. But there's, um, yeah, there's a weird sort of like thing we start to suspect Peter. Because of the cut on the arm. Yeah. Being because uh, yeah, because they, they, they hear something in his, in his bedroom, they go up, and he's like not there. Um, well, he's on the ceiling, isn't he, or just outside, or whatever it is. But he's he's um he spotted the cut on his arm at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was blood on the floor, wasn't there as well, mm-hmm. from where he came in. That was it. And when he does arrive, I think that's really tense scene. So you can see it's obviously it's a big a big CGI droplet. But I just think that's a really tense scene. I was like, oh, you know, are they going to discover? Because mm-hmm. I think that's part of the, the tension and the excitement as well. It's like, is the hero's identity going to be revealed? You know, yeah. I found that scene quite tense. I know it's quite hokey by today's standards. The only bit I, I find like, hokey is the narrowing of the eyes. It's the one bit. Yeah, that that's I a little bit like, like hmm, over, very cartoony. Bit. It's um, it's the it's the suspicious dog that uh, Homer. Yeah, Homer Simpson suspicious dog. <laughs> that's the narrowing his eyes. Yeah. Um, so he he knows that Peter is Spider Man though. Yeah. Uh, and it attacks Aunt May. Yeah, which is an odd thing. She's like that, like, you know, praying before she goes to bed, and he just like 
explodes half like half the top part of the house, which probably would kill most people anyway. You know, de- definitely, definitely like the old lady. And he's like, and he's there like telling her to finish the prayer, which is like an old joke. Finish it. <laughs> well, I was actually, I was actually sort of giving thanks, and I'm not quite sure that. Deliver us from evil. Now at the hospital. Yeah. And Peter and Aunt May sort of are there. Mm-hmm. She's telling, but she's telling Peter she she's got a crush on Spider Man. Yeah. Which is just like odd. Isn't it? Yeah, well, it's just so clearly just like, you know, you're just hero factuating though, aren't you? It's like, you just... Yeah. It, it doesn't do the character any favours, actually. No. But whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... Um, yeah, Harry sort of uh, is talking with Norman, um, and I think I think she's broken up with him at this point, hasn't she? And, she's, and he's like, well, you're right about MJ. So he's, yeah. he's kind of sort of more, more lean towards his father now. Yeah. Um, Aunt May, Aunt I May. thought MJ needed to be a bit more playful as well. I mean, yeah. she does use that tiger. Because first time he ever sees her in the comic books, it's like, you hit the jackpot tiger. So she uses the tiger thing. Raimi knows enough to know to put that in. Yeah. But she's quite a miserable, damaged character in this. And I'm not well, saying she... I, I just... I don't know. Mary Jane is always... I always remember this was a difficult topic at the time because they cast Mary Jane in the reboot and then her scenes were cut. And it was Shailene Woodley. And she took a lot of misogyny on um, social media because, you know, Mary Jane's meant to be beautiful and she isn't. And actually, whilst that cruelty was absolutely unwarranted and I don't think the actress is ugly in the slightest... She wasn't the bombshell that, like, um, Mary Jane's meant to be. So there was something in it just expressed badly. And I'm a bit on the fence about Kirsten Dunst because she's a fairly attractive woman. Um, yeah, we, I mean, the Shailene Woodley thing, I, I'm very interested to see what that, how that would have played, even though I can't see that being in the movie. But then again, I'm, I'm just curious to see how they would have played it because yeah. it could have played it fine. She I think... was still very adolescent at that yeah. point in her look as well. It, it's just... That's not the characterization we've ever had of Mary Jane well, Watson. They probably would have gone for a bit of the the the, the cool chick. A uh, well, a bit like MJ in the Marvel version. Yeah, uh, slightly the offbeat. Fun. Yeah, but um... there's room for other interpretations. But bear in mind, this is this is kind of a very classic interpretation yeah. of Spider-Man we've got here. And Kirsten Dunst is is an attractive woman. They're, they're, I don't know that I've got a problem with her casting, but her characterization. I don't see anything in the character that's going to draw in a Peter Parker apart from an infatuation. Yeah. And across the arc of the three films, it isn't just an infatuation. So what is it he's responding to? The problem here, I I, I find in MJ is in in, in these films is uh, they've kind of like tried to combine MJ with Gwen Stacy, and you ended up with neither. Because yeah. you know she's she's basically like the, the girl he's fallen of at school and then continues on with. Yeah. Um. There's no there's no distinction with. I mean, Gwen Stacy's done a lot better in the Garfield ones. Yes. But, oh, that that's the strongest bit of the Garfield ones. Yeah. Those two. Yeah. But the no, but Mary Jane as I felt has never really had like because she's meant to be completely like she's meant to be like a model, isn't she? That that yes. kind of thing. Yes. It's like self confident. Exactly... You know. Yeah. No, that's this. Hence, why she like meets you know meets him later on. That's like, the after word, when... self confident. I couldn't describe it properly. It is. It's self confidence. Yeah. 
And... It's not arrogance, but she knows what she is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But hence, hence the opening line, you know, because you've hit the jackpot. Tiger. Yeah, it's like it's it's she meets he meets him on a blind date that's settled by someone. Like, you know, I don't know the the specifics, but yeah. that's like the big reveal. He, he opens the door and she's like she's like there thinking you just hit the jackpot tiger, knowing yeah. that she's well, I'm a fucking model. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, it never plays obnoxious, even though it fucking sounds it there when we're discussing it. Yeah, but yeah, all right. So where do we go from there? What where are we up to? Um, um, the attack on yeah. So we got the Spider Man thing. Aunt May, but, Aunt May and Peter. We talk about is that an angel? Like what fucking kid says that? Oh gosh, yeah, that's a very cringy line. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then he realised like, oh my god, he's going to go after people I care about. Everyone know, everyone knows you love MJ. Yeah, so he kid, he's kidnapped her. Yeah. Um. This is kind of a mix of. There's a bit of Gwen Stacy in this as well, but yeah. um, he goes for goes to get. Yeah, it's a bunch of kids on a school trip late at night. Mm. So that's odd. This, this, um, that's the problem with the, the goblin character because the goblin character say he doesn't really have any motives, but not really. No, he, but he but his motives tend to sort of like uh, just to be all about Spider Man. So it's just a reflection of what Spider Man is. So it's like you know. You know, oh, you're you're trying to be a hero. Well, hero choose. You that would I mean? work better if you developed him over time as well. Yeah. Because Spider-Man's only been Spider-Man briefly at this point. You know, the yeah. idea that this is big rivalry. But you it's t- an okay yeah. sequence where he has to dive, save the kids, and save Mary Jane at the same time. Uh, it's fresh in this film. It's going to get less fresh, him having to save Mary Jane every two fucking minutes. Um, but it's all right at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get the goblin pelted with debris and rubbish and stuff, and it's you, you mess, mess with, with all of us. us. You so mess you with mess... all of us. Yeah, yeah it's just it's. It, I mean, it, it didn't play at the time. It it might plays... have done in New York, to be fair, which is all that matters, really. It it plays because New York is quite. Everyone's quite proud of being from New York, but yeah. what what kind of makes what the kind of interesting thing is about about um, New York is it's actually quite. Everyone hates hates over there. Pretty much yeah, everyone like, yeah. and, and, and I find that kind of like, it, it's, it's not the warmest place I've ever been. To be fair, but particularly in that country, it's you know, but it's, it's odd when you look at like the you know the social social makeups of it. Everyone, everyone from every different demographic, every sort of like you know side, you know whatever that is, you know like religious ethnicity or any of any else you care to imagine. Everyone's got everyone fucking hates someone else for whatever reason so it's kind of funny how, like, yeah we new yorkers all unite it's like you don't really know do you, <laughs> do, no. you know, do you know what i mean it's not the reality but yeah it's always but then i suppose it's just like everything else it's like but but if you slag off new york they would all like be like we new yorkers are like you know what i mean yeah, they made they made a thing of new york you know in the award season of that year and you know um the the oscars had a bit of a new york theme and you know, Woody Allen turned up. He didn't even turn up when he won one. So he, he turned up to speak and, you know, and all that kind of thing. And that's fine. I think that that's great. The film industry paying, but actually they've, they've forced something into the film. That's not that good, but okay. Not to worry. Well, what about then? Are we, are we into the final it, sequence? It won't now? be the last time it happens in the series as well. Um, no, I'll say, oh, we'll we'll see that again, oh, wank, yeah. There's a later film where you might, they might as well have masturbated over the flag. But anyway, um, well, it's awkward, isn't it? I mean, because it is, you know, just because of the time that this film was made, it was unfortunately we had, you know, that really tragic event. Um, I just, yeah, I just kind of struggled to say anything 
negative but just just because of you know just because of what happened really um and they also did what they thought was was right at the time I'm not, and I'm yeah. not even beginning but I, I just i just yeah i'm, I'm, I'm no i'm, I'm not saying you're doing that at all I'm definitely i'm saying obviously now looking back on it you can kind of think oh or, or, or was it the right yeah. decision to make but um, i just think it, you know just, they have to kind of do what they do at the time it looks like, like really, a, so. it looks like a crowbar in reshoot and that's because it is well, exactly. Um, it does look like that, but as I say, it's just it's one. It's you know, it's kind of like a nice touch that they can do, but yeah, right. it's difficult. It's tough. So what then? So Goblin grabs Spider Man, and they fight in a building. They, yeah, they, they they fight in the room. Yeah, yeah. Your main climax is like some random. Yeah, place basically, and... he ends up killing himself. He, you know, he pretends to be Norman, and while he's getting the sort mm. of uh, glider ready to sort of spear Spider Man, mm. uh, Spider Man's spider sense kicks in, and he jumps out the way. Um, and he he kills himself in a in a way that will be totally autops worthy autopsy worthy in the third film, if you're a qualified butler. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you know you you spear yourself that looks clearly like web suit. Web <laughs> yeah, you clearly you clearly speared yourself there. It's like how does that work? It just flew at him. How have you got any idea he did it? Yes, yeah, don't tell Harry. Why not? Why why wouldn't you? He takes the corpse home. And, at the, you know, Harry sees him, vows mm. revenge, and at the funeral, which is the same place Ben is buried. Mm. Um, he's place going where on everyone about, in movies is buried I, I, in I'm, New York. I'm going, to, I'm going to kill Spider-Man, you know, I'm going to get revenge, or he killed him, or whatever. And it's like, I don't know, there were multiple times in this series, like, Spider-Man could have put the record straight, even if it's not in, in his Peter guise. Mm. Mary Jane's there as well, sees him at Ben's grave, confesses that she loves him, kisses him. And he says, no, I can't, um, I'm away. And then she's like, oh, I recognise that kiss, which is never alluded to again. Yeah, I just... The implication <laughs> At was, the time, like... they, made, they made a big thing of it, didn't they? Like, it was, it was, sorry to use that word again, but it was like iconic scene and they're sort of comparing it to, I don't know, like Jack and Rose in Titanic or something, for example. But it's just like, it's a stunt, you know, it is what it is. It's not that amazing. Get over it. And then and it ends that, th- that thing that happened at the beginning, which we all forgot about by this point. It's like, so who am I? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, you, you didn't need to answer that question. We've just watched two hours of it, <laughs> and that's it. I'm Spider Man. And then they, I remember back Spider-Man. in the day listening listening to the commentary on this film, and I think it was I think it Sam Raimi did a commentary. It may have been in an interview separately, but I think it was on the on a commentary where they said the the guidance from the very start from Sam was that this last sequence has to be the best CG in the film. So you really ache to see like where it goes next. And I think they've achieved that the final sort of swinging around the city from, from Spider-Man that closes out. The film is the best Mm -hmm. we see in the film and that's it. Spider-Man done a massive grossing film, huge, you know, this is Spider-Man for a generation of kids, and I get that, and I don't want to knock it. Tobey Maguire's the the deal breaker. Apart from that, it's just a very straight and simple film, which is fine for a start off and in an era where we didn't get the sort of comic book films that felt like comic books. Um, it's a bit of a cliche now. It's like a comic book mm. come to life. Well, a lot it of them is. are to be, uh, yeah, but a lot of them are now. But um, there you go. I like it. I don't love it. I wish almost anybody else in the world was playing Spider-Man. Although, having said that, I've I've never been a big Joe Gyllenhaal fan, and he he was he nearly plays him in the second one and didn't. I just think Jake Gyllenhaal has a face that looks like it's been sort of hit repeatedly by a frying pan in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Decent enough. What do you think? 
so yeah, um, when we go and see this film first time at the cinema back in the day, um, I was yeah pretty much hyped by it um, and quite enjoyed it. But this time around, I was looking at my watch, thinking, oh "My God, you know, when's it going to end?" Um, but um, yeah, I think we've been spoiled by Marvel. Obviously, there have been huge advances in the way of um, certainly CGI um, and visual effects and everything. Um, I think for me, in a nutshell, high points would probably be Willem Dafoe, um, J.K. Simmons, definitely. Um, and a little bit of James Franco. I quite rate him. I think he's all right. Um, but yeah, the low points for me would probably be some cringe-worthy script, idea, uh, script, um, you know, concepts and ideas and choices, um, and some CGI, which the majority of it doesn't. You know, there's a lot that holds up, but there's also a lot that doesn't. Um, and perhaps a score that perhaps isn't as memorable as as it as it maybe should be. Um, but as I say, it, it, was, it was okay. It's probably one of like the first major kind of um, superhero movies of the modern era. As, as you said at the top of the show, it's kind of really obviously with this and the Hulk and um, the X Men movies, it did open the open the floodgates, as you said. Um, it did kind of start off that, that more popular ball rolling, um, and then obviously Marvel kind of really picked it up, um, you know, about ten years ago and ran with it really, um, and developed the modern superhero movie as we now know it. Um, but to be honest, I'm really looking forward to next week's film more than I was this one. So that should tell you quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, next week is often regarded as like one of the best uh, superhero movies um, ever. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see how that holds up. Um, as my thoughts for this film, it's fine. Uh, it's of its time. Um, and that comes with all the flaws and benefits that goes with it. Uh, I, Yeah, obviously standouts are Willem Dafoe and... Uh, and uh, J. Jeremy Jameson. I, I, I have crap with names now. I just forget all the names. Uh, what's his name? J.K. Uh, Sims. J.K. Sims, yeah. Because his name's similar like J.K. Similar yeah. like J. Jonas, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to cast Jamiroquai in this. No. no. <laughs> or J.K. Rowling. That would have been no choice at the time, oh, wouldn't it? No, avoid, avoid, avoid. <laughs> some, some, ran, some, some random uh, author who's just like come out with a few kids' books. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah, you know, it's it's fine. It's actually quite well paced. Uh, I think that's one of the things it gets right. Um, I think that's the biggest difference in the experience you and Becca have had this time. Yeah, I think. Well, if I could sort of highlight why it was popular at the time or why people enjoyed it, I think it actually highlights how pacing, you know, in terms of and being quite uh, efficient with your storytelling. Uh, though on paper, this isn't a particularly well crafted story, but no. Um, then again, what films, what blockbuster films were at this time anyway? So um, it's of itself. Attack of the Clones was the same year. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, that said, I don't know anything about this film. No, uh, quite embarrassing, really. I mean, I saw it at the time. I've seen it since. We've talked about it for two hours. A new series as well. And not only that, Spider-Man's been on the schedule for ages. I mean, we've got no excuse, Chris. We knew this was coming. Why didn't we get prepared? <laughs> I mean, I, I barely watched the film. I can't even remember it. Well, it had a guy uh, catching flies in webs, I think, because that's what spiders do. Oh, okay. And he shot webs out of his ass, I think, because that's what <laughs> spiders do. Out of his nose. <laughs> yeah. So, um, if only one of our number was better prepared, possibly the one of us that enjoyed it least. What do you think, Becca? Why not? Why not? I thought this week, should I do spider facts? But no, because I don't like spiders. So I'll just do 
normal facts about the film as usual. Um, if there's an animal involved, I might do animal facts, but I thought, no, I don't want to look at any more photos of spondles. Thank you very much. Oh, Planet of the so, Apes is up next, so we can... You yeah, prefer for ape facts, definitely. And I, I feel bad um, for Charlie, Lunch. obviously. He, he's got a couple of, of tranchulas as pets, which are beautiful, but... Uh, no, they're not your I, thing. You don't wish them any harm. I mean, That's I mean, fine. I'd be surprised. No disrespect to people who actually own spiders. I know they uh, they consider them beautiful, but beautiful is not a word I can ever concept. Interesting, yes, beautiful. Yeah, Interesting sure. is not beautiful, but I mean, just no... <laughs> you don't <laughs> wish them any harm. You don't wish them any harm. I think Charlie would understand like phobias of anything. No, definitely. Um, so it's having a bit of phobia and anything like you don't wish him any harm with them. So so what? No, I'm not into spiders either. Um, they're not something I'd ever want creepy, so it was alright yeah. So. but yeah anyway so fun fact number one um, obviously there are many directors attached to this movie back in the day um, James Cameron actually came close to making up his own version um, he he um, created I think probably like 60 page treatment or scriptman I think it was called that would have been um, for canon wouldn't it yeah. oh no yeah, um, yeah possibly the thing is he wanted to get Michael Bain for it he did. He did. I'm so glad that I've, didn't happen. I've, I've actually read that script or that story. It was meant to be quite good, though. It's, um, it's kind of well received, and Stan Lee said, yes, that's fine. You know, he signed off on it and, and approved of it and everything. Um, but obviously, as we know, we didn't happen, and he ended up making True Lies mm. and then also went to Titanic and, and greater things. So. Well, no one would bet against James Cameron, to be well, fair. Well, no, this is it. But, exactly. Yeah. That would have been a very different film. Yeah, it would. I, yeah, I've I've forgotten that. all I've about that. that treatment, but yeah, I need to. Let me see if I can read that. It would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, second fun fact. There's a Bond link to this movie as William Dafoe also played a Bond villain. Um, he provided the voice and likeness of the buddy in... Um, uh, everything oh or Nothing. Everything or Nothing. That was it, 2004. I forgot. Um, when you said he played a Bond villain, I was like, shit, is when? there a film I've not seen? <laughs> as soon as you said video game, yes, everything You kind of did. Yeah, basically, um, Bond Brosnan's unofficial fifth film. Pretty much, yeah. It's a really good game, uh, but certainly within the community, it's kind of rated quite highly. Um, yeah, I know obviously other games are up. Goldeneye was like a quite groundbreaking for a first-person shooter, but in terms of plot mm-hmm. and everything, everything or nothing is the one that tends to be most highly spoken of. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, okay. because the last Brosnan film was absolute shit, and those that like Brosnan always felt that he was shortchanged by that and kind of felt that everything or nothing was like a better way for him. Yeah, it's an unofficial, unofficial game uh, film, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he would have he would have been a good choice for the role for the role he to played in that game anyway. So if it would have, if yeah, that exactly. would have, mm. and had you know had and even Russian leads have had um, other you know um, other good cast members as well. But I think they tried to tie it to um, to like Zorin, for example, from View to a Kill, and so they had sort of like personal and professional links as well. So there's a bit of a throwback to that oh. as well, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, kind of ties it into the Bond universe a little a little bit more. Um, yeah, another fun fact: apparently he did ninety percent of his own stunts. Um, and the actual costume that he wore um, had lots of different pieces, I think over 500 different pieces. And apparently it took him like over half an hour to, to actually get into it, to climb into it and to put it on. So it was quite, quite complex and quite difficult. Um, so that's probably why he looks a little bit like a Power Ranger. Uh, fun fact number four, the CGI scenes were completed by um, island pioneer John Dykstra. Or Dykstra, I can't pronounce his name. Um, he obviously realised that some of the shots would have to be fully CGI um, and couldn't couldn't be done in, in camera um, using stunt work. Um, so the shots and, and the work that he came up with um, were seen as quite convincing at the time. And he thought, oh, maybe I can maybe try and fool the studio executives. So he got together with producer Laura Ziskin and decided to see if they could fool um, 
chair of Columbia, Amy Pascal, and the chair of Sony. Um, and lo and behold, they did. They were like, oh yeah, what do you think of Tobey Maguire's work? You know, and they're like, oh, actually, no, it's CGI. And they were fooled. Uh, so fun fact number five, obviously, as we were talking during the film as well, um, the World Trade Center was cut for marketing post 9-11. Um, and the first trailer of this film, which came out in the US in summer 2001, heavily featured the Twin Towers. Um, but obviously after this tragedy, um, the footage was, was recalled by the studio. Um, I think there are some... There are a couple of teaser posters as well, which also bore this imagery of the reflection in his eye. Um, I think some of them are now like um, collector's items. So, like if you see a rare, you know they're quite rare now, but they often pop up on eBay, you know, as being collector's items. So, and that's my five non-spidery facts about Spider-Man. All I would ask, all I would add, is uh, you see Laura Ziskin as a producer on this series, and she passed away um, at the relatively young age of sixty-one. Yeah, it's very uh, sad. About nine years after this came out. Just worth mm, pointing out, really you'll see sad. her name on, on these films. Um, she also um, produced uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, there'll be other things on there, but those are the ones that that's, uh, stick in my mind. She she was um, uh, she died of breast cancer, but yeah. Also, I think uh, Nicolas Cage was going to be uh, Norman Osborn as well. That's he was what, sorry? Nicolas, he Cage, was gonna... Nicolas Cage was going to play Norman Osborn as well. I think he was... Yeah. Originally signed up to do it, but I'm kind then... of pleased he didn't. A lot of people like... <laughs> that would have been crazy. A oh lot of people like Nicolas Cage, and uh, you know he has done some great films along with all the Drek. But um, something about him again, I think it's he's got that face that looks like it's been pre-slapped. I don't. I don't <laughs> want, I guess on my tits, I don't like him very much. Another unique look about him, hasn't he? So. Yeah. Anyway, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. And you can find all the old episodes on cinematrotscode.uk. And you can find us on Twitter at Expectors Talk and generally across social media. Uh, if you type in Do Expectors Talk, you can find us there on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, um, also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean, and wherever you download your podcasts from. Um, but yeah, wherever you find us, don't forget to rate us, review us, like us, and share us. Thank you. Okay, next time Sam Raimi will be off the leash and he will make the Spider Man film I think he really wanted to make, which means Becca. Do Expectors Talk will return with Spider Man 2. <laughs>